0: Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy-watch sci-fi movies and then talk about
1: what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, tonight we are talking about The Fifth Element. It's a classic, Surrey, it was made in 1997, starring Bruce Willis. Another Willis. Another Willis film. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Luke Benson, who also wrote it, along with Robert Mark Kamen. Yes, or Cayman. Or Cayman. Yes, uh, so turn back now
0: if you haven't seen this film, because we're going to talk all about it. Uh, this is just a spoiler warning, warning, warning. 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 Yeah, warning. And then tune back in and hear what we have to say. Please tune back in. We want, I was going to say we want to see you, but we can't see you. No. We like to pretend to
1: see you. Yeah, we do. We do like to pretend, like in the fifth element, there's a lot of pretending going on, although, a lot of imagination.
0: Although, Jerry, I, I can see what you're doing, and it's please stop.
1: Please, Jerry. Jerry, stop. (laughs) Press pause on that behaviour.
0: I really hope that there is someone called Jerry listening.
1: Yeah, I do too. I do. I imagine Jerry. Jerry's there. Anyway, the fifth element is basically set way in the future from today, a couple of hundred years. It's extremely colourful, and we focus in on a cab driver played by the one and only Bruce Willis, who unwittingly becomes a central figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep... Evil, literal evil, a whole planet of evil coming towards us. And the deadly Mr. Zorg, who is played by the awesome actor Gary Oldman. This is our second Gary Oldman, second Bruce Willis film. I just realised. Second and second. So perfect for a classic episode, Sorry. So, sorry. what was your number one takeaway from the fifth element?
0: My number one takeaway from the fifth element... In the future, smoking is cool. It's still,
1: extremely cool. I like it. Really long filters. I do. I love the
0: reversed filter <laughs> cigarette design. It, it caught me when I first watched this back, back yeah, when I was a, a youngster. And I still love it now. Uh, the other thing, of course, is rubber is very important in the future. But also radio personalities, aka podcasters, are still important people.
1: It's cool that they... Like the radio broadcaster, he, Chris Tucker does such a good job of that role, doesn't he? It's just like it's a one-in-a-lifetime performance. It's one of those... Because he's not the lead actor. It's like a little cameo, really. And he's just... Oh, I remember even the time when I first watched his film, it just blew me away. It
0: was outrageous. The funny thing about this whole film, if you're going to talk about Chris Tucker's performance, is it's a 50-50 split on people liking or loathing the film. And Chris Tucker's performance was hailed as, you know, eccentric and and zany and exciting and one of the high points of the movie. And at the same time, there were people who just said it was the most awful, (laughs) terrible character, great way of ruining a film type of thing. I I come down on the, it's amazing. And I remember when I was a kid watching, I was just like the intensity of this character in contrast to Bruce Willis's understated character and Leeloo's sort of confused Character and the um the the two priests, yeah, and then and you got this this um, ruby rod going, yeah, at and, you the, whole
1: and time. the opera singer as well. I like, so I think that's the thing. Looking back this, now, this time watching it again, compared to when I was a kid, his performance I could understand being a bit like jarring, but then when you compare it to uh, you know like with the opera singer as well and the aliens, it kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Like it, it makes sense that he is so outrageous. Like, I I really like it. And also, I think a lot of this film, like, whenever they predict the future, you're only ever predicting the future from your current point of view. You can't really predict the future, right? Well, maybe some people can. But in a science fiction film, they're always coming from the place that they're at. And if you're in the 90s, radio presenters were like this, weren't they? The commercial... And they probably still are, I don't know. The the Howard Stearns and the... uh,
0: Here in Australia, we, we still have some of these people that are just really um of, of horrible <laughs> they're, and, and they're horrible an personalities example. i don't know about them in personal life they may be great people i'm not going to comment on that but their radio personalities are designed to have a reaction give you a mm. reaction uh, one way or the other
1: because the whole smoking thing is the perfect example at like mid 90s you're still people are still smoking heavily Uh, And especially like where this film was based, you know, coming from France. Whereas, you know, like you can see in Australian culture, what the Australian government has done pretty successfully over time is raise taxes significantly on cigarettes, which slowly does put people out of a price point of affording them. And also then working on a heavy uh, information campaign of, you know, advertising, etc. about the damaging effect to your health of cigarettes. And then even uh, they were the first country in the world and a lot of other countries looked at and followed the idea of um, uh, warning labels on on the actual product. And then eventually, which was taken to court by the cigarette companies and they failed, was the idea of plain packaging. Um, And all of that you can see in Australia that the rate of people smoking is actually continually decreasing.
0: It's... Yeah, it's not legal to smoke in yeah, clubs, and that's pubs, thing, sorry, or bars. Yeah. So they've, they've that was that was awesome. Oh, geez, yeah. The number of times yeah. you come home from a night out and you you reek of smoke and your throat hurts and you're coughing up a lung and yeah, and they said, you know, of course, everyone said, oh, we'll all go out of business if we can't do it. No, the, the clubs no. and bars haven't gone out no. of business. They're just nicer places to be in there. Yeah. And it's not because people can't smoke in there. It, they've yeah. got to like, huddle out the back in specially designated smoking areas, it's not as, as glamorous. Yeah, you know? it's not as attractive. It's like more people are kind of foregoing it. They're going, well, yeah. I'll, I won't bother. Like That's why, right. Why do so
1: I- the reason why I say that is it's funny because that prediction in this film is like a little pack of cigarettes on the wall that say my goal is to quit and you kind of pay for each cigarette, I think, kind of was the idea maybe. And it's yeah. it's very like clinical, whereas, of course, yeah, over the last if you take Australian society, over the last sort of twenty five years, all those things I've mentioned, the, the packaging, the access to cigarette where you can smoke is all restricted. So whereas in this point in time, midnight's like, Oh, how would people smoke less? Oh, the filter would really be yeah, big filter. You know, they which would was, sell less tobacco, you know. It's which like, is the
0: the it's that joke, isn't it, where, where the product gets a bit smaller, the toilet rolls have got ten less sheets on it and yeah. they, and, and they've done it because you've yeah. got now the the typical beer bottle here in Australia is 330 mil. yeah it's mils. reduced, yeah. It was 375. To be fair, that's because it was 330 in most other countries, but Australia was 375 as a standard. Yep. And there's case of beer costs about the same as it did 10, 15 years ago, but the bottles are now 330 mil, not 375. Uh, yep. Liquor, whiskey, vodka sold in 700 mil, used to be 750 mil, and so on. And so here the cigarettes have got itty bitty little thumbs width of <laughs> tobacco. So cute. And then like the rest of it's, yeah. It's and basic- he also
1: like is a nice touch is he can't, he can't, he doesn't have anything to light the damn cigarette with the whole time. You know, he's trying to light it. Yes, yeah, three it.
0: matches or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's great. It's a great little um, attention to detail, isn't it?
0: Oh, okay. So was it a hope warning or experiment? Hope.
1: Hope. Hi. I feel for hope. I think it's clearly hope because it's... Uh, you know, ultimately, mankind trying to find itself uh, and the essence of what who we are, which is love. Like this, this is about love. Love is the goodness. Love is the good part of humanity, not war or you know violence and all the other things that are present. And I think it's pretty obvious in this film, really, to be honest, because you've got a blank slate in uh, Lilu, who then starts learning about humanity more and more as the story progresses and um Bruce Willis's character Corbin Dallas or Major they kept calling him Major Major for most of this film but uh you know he falls in love with her and so that's that symbol of you know humanity the the best bit of humanity well, is see, probably like he's a it. a
0: warrior yeah and you know he's seen a lot of death his unit was all dead yeah you don't know the history of that and he's left the unit as well he's, like he's, he's not out part of it.
1: of it he doesn't want to be part of it so so
0: it's kind of like those there's opposites and she she of course was the you know the warrior, the perfect warrior sent to fight evil, and yet yeah, the, the discovery world war kind of is a bit destructive. Mm, yes, yeah, so I hope there's no there's no possibility this is a warning. No. Unless it's warning if you drive flying taxis, you might get a supermodel <laughs> drop in.
1: Yeah, maybe. I'm
0: going to get a flying
1: taxi. Flying taxi. Where are those flying cars that we've been promised? I'll, I'll keep time? a Sorry. few straps of
0: orange rubber around just yeah. in case.
1: Just for her to get dressed in. What was your favourite scene? Sorry.
0: Oh, man. There's too many, too many great well, scenes Well, just pick here. one, please. One, on. the, okay, I, one of the favourite scenes is um, <clears throat> Vito Cornelius <laughs> talking with Mr. Zorg. Yeah. And Mr. Zorg explains how destruction and chaos... Causes gives purpose to so many people. I know it's so cool, and it's kind of a bit meaningless. And then we get the little scene where the the glass of water glass comes up, water sprays in. The little computer voice says "water," and then the cherries pop up, fruit. And then he picks up a cherry, a single cherry. You know, you can hear this little voice just narrating everything in this passionless computer voice. Swigs down the uh, water with cherry, and it's a strange thing to do. And then promptly starts choking on the cherry. Uh, at which point at which point he's he's mashing his desk trying yeah. to find some little gizmo or something and there's like cards shooting up and there's flowers and a rolodex <laughs> and a you know, goodness knows other little and things. Then an that, alien. This <laughs> weird little alien snorkel nosed creature that just kinda of looks all cute at him and he's like pointing at himself to asking the hang to help so him. The alien choking just kind whole of time. looks stupidly at him and says, My job is to be cute you know, he <laughs> doesn't say that, but yeah, it's it's. I remember uh, almost dying of laughter uh, when I watched it the first time. And watching it the second time, I I very much appreciate. it. And the priest
1: one. then takes the upper hand, doesn't he, and sort of like lectures him whilst he's... he's choking and going through all these gadgets. It's the opposite of, well, you're in a destructive mode right now and you need someone to save you, right? Yeah.
0: it's It's about people
1: helping each other.
0: Yeah. Not breaking stuff to give people an artificial sense of purpose,
1: it's a funny scene because he he it's it's a really great actually for all writers out there. it's a really good example of showing and not telling, and the old rule of showing and not telling in a good film is that we should see what they mean, so we don't we we shouldn't really be in just exposition of someone talking through stuff right. Films have to have exposition at times. Uh, And there's rules around that. But this is a really good example where, you know, uh, Gary Oldman's character, Mr. Zorgs, like, he goes, oh, well, you know, he believes destruction helps society. So he visualizes that by smashing the glass and all the robots come in and saving and changing. And he's making his lecture. Whereas then when he is choking, it's still the same. It's showing us the opposites and like his gadgets can't save him. The priest is like, no, you need a person. You mm. need someone here. You need hu- another uh, human. You, uh, you just- need someone who cares. You need someone that cares, right? So you yeah. can have all the gadgets in the world, but could, can you, can the gadgets save you? I'd probably argue he probably should have something that could save him, something that could do CPR if he has That'd a be too, that does. I don't think Zorg was into making useful <laughs> stuff. No, he wasn't into that. He so had much.
0: a purpose-bred little alien to look cute uh, and little sweepy bots, multiple sweepy bots to do the one char- task. No. It's, it's pretty much... It's a great scene. There are plenty of other great scenes, but I do like that one because, as you said, it, it sums up a lot. And that he, Luke does it very well in this film in general with uh, background storytelling whilst keeping it interesting. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. That telephone that Dallas is always on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just great. It is. Uh, so I've, I've, got, I've got something I want to know from you.
1: Okay. Go for it. I am the expert of the fifth
0: element. Okay, okay. So uh, I was, so there's a lot of sci-fi world building in this movie, which is something I, I love. Uh, so what part of the world building, what, what scene displaying some sort of non-essential story element that builds the world did, did you find most effective or most interesting?
1: Ooh. Uh, the, well, I liked this idea of, The oh, you're stumping my brain right now. Of the, I did got their what are their names? You got the Mangalores, Mandoshawans, which are kind of like the penguin, all saving penguins. (laughs) Penguins, they waddle, that's why I'm calling them like penguins. They're cool characters. I I still, the minute that they came in, because to be so, just to be honest, like I've watched this movie as a kid, I watched it again as a kid, or you know, like a young teenager. Uh, no, as, as a teenager, so not young. Um, shouldn't say as a kid. I watched it as a teenager a couple of times, but I haven't watched it since. Mm. And so when those guys came in, my sort of like my heart jumped a bit, you know, because it's kind of like, oh, these guys, these um, Mondo Shawans. My, yeah, that's the ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like I just kind of was like, wow, like I've forgotten. Like, where have you been in my life all these years? Because they're just waddling in. They got their little fingers. They're kind of, and also the way that Luke. Shot and showed them. Uh, you don't. It's a, it's a great example again of not showing everything. No, like there's a lot a lot left to the imagination.
0: Who knows where these creatures come from? What yeah. their real purpose is? Yeah. Why? Yeah, we don't know any of the whys behind any of this. It's great. Right.
1: And so I suppose the like when you talk about world building, in my mind, it's like how they have come to Earth. They've put this weapon here, and then now they're coming back in 1914 at the start of the movie. To remove it because war is coming. Whatever the hell that means. World War One. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Nineteen fourteen is so
0: World War One, but I was never sure. Yeah, I. World War One was the reason they removed it. In my
1: mind, right now. (laughs) Maybe you're right because also Egypt was like part of. It wasn't the conflict zone, but it was like Egypt was a bit of a middle ground, wasn't it? Because like the Australians went there to train and stuff, didn't they? Oh man, you. are Blow them. I thought he meant war is coming as in our space.
0: Well, that's the implication. Yeah. But,
1: uh... Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe war is coming. Ooh. Anyway, so I I suppose the thing is that, and then when they do come back, they say that 300 years, evil is coming. When they come back and they're allowed entrance into the planet, and then the, um, what are the other guys? Mangalors. The Mangalors, they attack them sort of sneakily and stuff. It's like, Have these guys got a history? Is this what this thing is? This like some sort of historical beef, or is this just like they kind of raid? They're raiders. They're like pirates and stuff. Mm. And so I suppose again, world building. It's like it's like these intergalactic alien species that have other things going on beyond humanity. Yeah, (laughs) we're not the center of the universe, sorry. Oh
0: no. Well, how many other planets do these um, Mandeshians? Rock up to and hand over keys to. Yeah. Like,
1: well, I don't think they, they don't think they hand over keys. Like that guy handed over key because he was—he's a slow penguin. He couldn't get out of that freaking room shutting in time, could he?
0: No. Well, he, and this—this this is what I liked about that entry, or, or about this movie in general. Everyone was a character. Mm. Like there was not, uh, there was almost basically no extras in this film which yeah. did not have personality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the um, as you said, these waddling dudes we've we got no names, we've got no anything else, but they had this sort of personality about them like they were, yeah. they were freakish looking and almost comical, like you, you're going, Okay, whatever. But then there's the, the professor dudes, late Light Aziz, <laughs> you know, and Aziz is asleep there. And yeah. and, and the and police
1: the, officers are into like you know their Big Macs, like they or their burgers, you know, and they're, they're and it's yeah. actually like, If I don't get another burger, like you know, if I don't eat something they have more context you are right and even the president is he's like stoic isn't he and well even going-
0: then when they're getting on the the, the, the the plane to fly off into space to go to um phlogiston or it is Floster's phlogiston, <laughs> paradise or something. yeah oh geez, I just watched this like a couple of hours yeah. ago, i can't remember it. but uh they're going in there and they've got to like oh there's parasites in the landing gear and you go what <laughs> This has nothing to do with the film.
1: No, they go in there
0: and like flamethrow it. Yeah. But while they're doing that, there's like this sort of Rastafarian-looking dude and this rather lobotomized-looking blonde. Yeah, he's kid. weird, isn't he? That's and like, right. they're characters. They're not just extras in the background just loading fuel rods. They're actually like, you know, hey man, yeah, yeah. you do that over there, boy. and the other kids and are they're, like, ha- they're handling. Uh, they're, they're shifting this green glowing stuff, and like, just that whole scene was. A character, like everyone in there, there was, they could have easily had, and I was, I'm sure I've seen plenty of movies with this, where they were down there, that there's parasites in the landing gear, and you just see some unnamed dudes with flamethrower. Yeah. And in the background, there's a couple of people, you know, like sweeping. That's yeah, all and, you need, isn't it? And but... doing whatever. But here, they had lines that they spoke and jumped out the personality. And then they, yeah, everyone on this, so they had the, uh, you know, in the opera house. That deaf uh, yeah, yeah. star, yeah, wearing yeah. His, his his weird doilies, yeah. Um, he was a little character as well, like you know, comically he couldn't hear and he rolls a billiard
1: ball. And the over the, it. the the um, you know the guy I don't know what you call him butler or whatever like on the ship that lets in the opera, like, yeah, He was looks- like that's see the filmmaker there has given power to them because like it's like. They're giving them little context, aren't they? Like, like you know, remember he stood at the door and he was like looking at, trying to memorise what to say. And yeah. see, the filmmaker could decide not to show us that, and just the opera singer comes, and then oh, here's this, here's the, here's the butler or the waiter or whatever you call them. Yeah. And um, and no, but we're giving him context, aren't we? We're giving and him think, twenty seconds of context.
0: I think that's that's one of the things that was a standout when I was younger watching this, the first yeah. time I watched it, and I remember walking away from this, just my mind was. Full. It was like that's a whole universe that could be explored. You know oh, what, yeah. what? were those parasites? Why was the, the the airport full of junk?
1: Yeah, and then she says that she goes, "Apologies for the junk," but doesn't explain.
0: Yeah, it's just like a wall of garbage. Yeah, just yeah. sort of like it's just been bulldozed and pushed out of the way. Yeah, and yeah, there's um those yellow circles to put your hands on when the cops go oh, around everywhere, everywhere. Like, like yeah. they just expect that that's going to be. there. It's a very authoritarian regime here yeah. even like you know the flight attendants yes time to go to sleep just, oh hang on just one. did she just <laughs> press the button knocks him out like so rude like it's uh you'd never get that now you'd, you'd get that sort of i'm being polite but insistent you know but yeah. then here no it's just button push you out of it and you it.
1: did get that even the flight attendants all had some sort of Context, didn't they? They again. They, they had a little bit of a Freckles. free story backstory. Freckle, <laughs> you know, that one that checked them all in. She, you know, she had her own thing going on, and that's why Even the cops, as I mean, going back to the cops, like they, they could have just been cops chasing them, but they. He puts a whole scene in there where the cops are like getting burgers, and yeah, like just, oh, I'm not going to chase anyone. They're and they're they sighing. So, you know, like I uh, hope he
0: doesn't do this the, the hard way. You know, oh, okay, he didn't listen. Yeah, and they yeah, have to follow through. And yeah, like, yeah. And the mugger at the front, he says, yeah. give me the cash, give me the cash, <laughs> you know, says, take it, I don't, I don't need it.
1: And he's got the hat to and then he, block he, the security. He does right? a little dance and yeah. like,
0: <laughs> he's like, what the hell is going on here? Because that nice. could have just been a simple mugging to yeah, show yeah. it's a dangerous part of town. But See, but that,
1: that, that's the thing, like, the, anyone that kind of bags out Chris Tucker's performance, like, there's a lot of extremities isn't there, in the story. They're all a bit like... Everything's you know, over the top. Everything's over the top. So, And it's a good over the top, except for Bruce Willis. Yeah, he's yeah. he's
0: the plain man who's just sort of found himself there, the straight
1: man, as it were. Which is, you know, this is a clever device. Like, we watched Oblivion, and they did a very similar thing with Tom Cruise's character in that, that they... You know, you're in this futuristic world that's very abstract to our world, but they make the protagonist a real down-to-earth everyday American that yeah. kind of then the audience goes, oh, I get Bruce Willis. Everyone yeah. else is weird, but I get Bruce Willis. He's like an anchor in the story, right?
0: Yeah, because if he was as weird as the rest of yeah, the cast... then
1: you'd be, you'd be feeling it, I think. It'd be yeah.
0: more like Gora, you Yeah, know, that, yeah. That, that movie Gora, which <laughs> ripped a bit of this off, you know, yeah. it was great.
1: yeah. So that's my world building, sorry. Does that make sense? I I think that's yeah, what it's... I'd be into. I'm like, where do those aliens come from? And what's their deal and and have they had beefs and with other planets and have is this thing going on for a lot longer than humanity? Well, it mentions
0: and... that the Mangalos when he's um Oldman's guy Zorg is going to pay them with the guns. Mm. He mentions that they uh, they've been dispossessed of their planet or something, and they're fighting yeah. a losing cause. Yeah, doesn't say what the cause is no. or why they've been kicked out or by who or yeah. anything like that. But yeah, they're just kind of yeah. It's 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 the world building that really gets me going here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, I mean, you've seen this film before. I've seen it before. When was the first time you saw this?
0: Let's see. I wonder if I saw it... Did I see it in the cinema? I think I might have. 1997 I I was I my last year of uni. I graduated at the end of 97. I I must have watched this. I watched this just after uni. So, 98, I would say. Because this was back in the day where movies took a little while to reach Australia. They did, yeah. So, it would have been 98 after uni and I was back in Canberra. I remember it was in Canberra. Saw it with my nerd friends uh, because um, we watched everything that was science fiction, basically. Yeah, yeah. Nerds. And, yeah, as I said, the reaction coming out of that was... uh, I know the the story is, is... Yeah, it's a fairly... It's a nice story about a bit of romance, saving the world. But the thing that blew me away was just the fact that you could just imagine this whole... Universe. That one story is just one part. Like yeah. for example, the the the, the penguin dudes. Well, like, why do they they come to Earth? There's some evil ball is going to come destroy destroy yeah. Earth. But the penguins are involved somehow. And do they? Are there other planets that face a similar quandary in different galaxies where there's yeah, like yeah. A, a black ball going to come down? Are there are there dead galaxies where they didn't succeed? Yes. You know, every 5,000 years, a a sphere of evil turns up and tries to annihilate as much as it can, I suppose.
1: Yeah, are these guys God? Or are they just a species that understands how to destroy this evil species? And where does this evil ball come from? I mean, is it just then all of us and our evil (laughs) thoughts? Because that's kind of implied, isn't it? That they say with the evil sphere that you know, it's not interested in money or power or anything like that. And it grows if you feed it evilness. That's why Zorg's kind of attracted to it, right? Mm. And then, like, so it's like, it's kind of like, it's not here to conquer the world like a man would conquer the world. It's just going to come and destroy it, like, and that's what it gets from it. Kill just, life. Kill life.
0: As much as it can. Yeah. I, I figure there must be some limit. It's not the entire universe you would be killing. That's no. what I'm thinking. I always thought that there'd be, there must be some dead galaxies about. Well, the place. you
1: mean yeah? Because even with what happens is, I mean, it gets pretty close to wiping out Earth. So, I mean, does it just wipe out planets and the Mandalor, the Mandalons? No, they the other guys. Ma-
0: Mandoshwans? or the... Manda,
1: Yeah, Mando Shwans. Mondo-Schwan. Mondo-Schwan. Yeah. The, <laughs> the the penguins. I like the, the penguins. penguins. Yeah, uh, the penguins, like, are they like? Oh, damn it! We forgot about that planet.
0: <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Every 5,000 years, it rocks up, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, The fifth element is human. So, humans have only been around for like 100,000 years. So, this only happened, what, 20 times? 200 times? Yeah. At most? And prior to that, did they have to get, you know, the four element stones and a dinosaur (laughs) in there to to repel? Uh, Or is it, yeah, like you said, is this evil ball attracted because humans are there, or intelligent life is there. So uh, Mm. other planets, likewise, threatened in some periodic nature. Uh, Yeah, it's just, but that was my experience, was just, it filled me with so many questions, and it was so interesting. I didn't feel I'd missed out on any information, but I felt, you know, you could have a series of movies set in this universe. Not sequels, but just there's so many other pockets of this universe that you could explore. Uh, that it would just be, it'd be fascinating to explore.
1: Yeah, I liked. I remember when I, I saw this at the movies, and I, I was a, I was a teenage boy, and I think the things that ticked a lot of the boxes. Yeah, it's a it's a it is a pretty standard structured story that you know oh save the universe you know save yeah. the girl save the universe kind of idea. So that has been around, but the details. Some of the details we've already talked about, but you know, like I remember being amazed with that idea of New York. Uh, at the start and we're up in the sort of sky and so it's kind of like a big build you know the way i imagine new york because again i've never been to new york but lots of really big buildings i've been to some big cities now like Parson um, yeah <laughs> but you know you're all these. It's, big, it's, it's got that one tower it's got that one tower but um yeah i've been to dubai and stuff uh you know where you've got all these huge towers and all those sort of things that you think Okay, so this is, I, I remember being a teenage boy going, oh, it's a cool, it's a really cool idea that you've got all these different layers of traffic. So even though humans have kind of like, oh, flying car would say, well, it's like, no, there's all this traffic still. Like, it's like the same problems that we face. And even those things that were talked about with Bruce Willis, like, like he's got a shitty apartment. He doesn't have a great apartment. It's not like, it's in the future, but things don't quite work and things are a bit broken and they're a bit... I always I always tend to lean a bit more into these future science fiction films when it's not everything's like white and utopian perfect, you know? Mm. And, and you know, even, even the fact that Zorg, when he was choking and he bashes his desk with all of the technology and there's these stupid technology, like a pack of cards comes lying out, like... You you think, like, what's the point of that? And you're like, well, because humans, we're sort of a bit stupid like that, aren't we? That we we go, yeah, I want a pack of cars because it would impress a girl, you know? And so, again, I think I remember thinking at the time, it's always cool to have, um, you know, the future, but it's not a perfect future, you know? And it's a bit crumbled and it's a bit... It's got cracks in it. And, you know, to have police officers that aren't... Oh, do we really have to do it? And even, even Bruce Willis says... Oh, if they don't chase you after the first uh, mile, you're probably going to get away, you know. Yeah. Like, and then there's four cars chasing him, you know. So it's like, oh no, you're in, you're in for this, and um, you know, the fact that they do go down to that fog layer, you yeah, know, dude, what the dude, hell is we'll that? We lose like, him in the fog, and like, you go, does no one live in the fog anymore? Like, and then it's like, oh, so we built up because the ground is just so polluted. Like, I love, I really love a future it's kind of taking our modern society and just shoving it 300 years from now, you know? It's not like we've solved everything, we've solved the environment crisis, we're okay. It's like, no, we didn't solve anything. We've just kind of kept surviving, yeah. So I really liked that. I think also um, the fact that Mila Jovovich, you know, like, I mean, geez, as a teenage boy, they reincarnate this naked, hot woman
0: but she was and, a she was a model before she was naked. Yeah, actress, she's a honestly. model, right?
1: And she's like she it's, it's, She's foreign, like she plays like she's a foreign alien, right? Like it's almost like oh wow, like so. And then in the film, they keep like having these moments where she's naked, but they don't really show you anything. They just really like tease it. I think it was a really cool way. And the guys keep turning around.
0: Yeah, and block They're, the like, camera. Like yeah. blo-
1: <laughs> it such a like like you can. You, yeah, you know, there's other films I saw even in this era, like wild things where you sort of saw a lot of titillation, deliberately, Hollywood titillation. Whereas this film, they kind of... Whenever that was about to happen, they just kind of found a way of like blocking well, it, it was, or avoiding it. It's also
0: it. convenient that she's not voluptuous. Yeah. So there yeah. wasn't... Even like there's a couple of bits there where you do see some nipple. Yeah, you and do. So forth, but they're not heaving mounds of no, bosom. No, that's right. No. So it's... It again, is it's kind of that... They're not. Uh, I'm sorry, Miller. Like, yeah. You know, you're gorgeous. We know that. <laughs> but it's it's not that. It's not, shall we say, in your face. Yeah. Which, like you said, some of those other yeah. ones, it would be, you know. They do the close ups. Yeah. The they, boobs, they, they, they. they take off the jacket or something and, yeah. And a chest comes forward you towards the thing. And there's like a healthy D cup going on there, you know. It's, yeah. But Miller, that, that Miller was reserved. So you go, oh, That's that is a bit of nudity there, yeah. but it's not kind of you know big red nipples and heaving bosoms it's, but it was
1: also very innocent nudity right like it, yes, it's it, like it's like she's wet so she takes a, you know like she's changing her top yes and she's she's also very naive about her body and her uh, beauty whereas quite often in all these other ones they're like you know hopping out of the pool flicking their hair back oh, walking okay. out and, oh, the jacket doesn't fit anymore, you know, like, or I, whoops, I fell in the pool, that old chestnut. You oh, know, like, on
0: my top button oh, just doesn't yeah. seem to do up. Oh,
1: Whereas this was more like just naturally occurring nudity and so and she seems so naive about it. But She looked
0: comfortable, I think, is the point. I remember being yes. a
1: teenage boy and just kind of like sitting back in the chair because it was just such amazing things to look at.
0: Yes, and particularly because, <laughs> you know, she kicked some of those... A yeah, that's monster right. thing she kicks in the face and she's tough which, and, and this basically launched her as an action hero and she, yeah. she's done all those a thousand Resident Evils which Resident I Evils, have to say yeah. I have seen them all Yeah, because it's Mila Jovovich smashing <laughs> zombies him, I mean why, why, why would you not watch that Yeah, and she's got a new movie coming out uh, Monster Hunter World or something related, based on right. a computer game but she's yeah she's the same not the same character obviously but she's military she's shooting guns Fighting monsters, so yeah, what's there not to like about that? But this this is what launched a thousand monster fighting careers for her. Yeah, it's the fact that she was fighting these monsters.
1: So sorry, is there any other references to a Bruce Willis movie?
0: There's there's a fair bit of Die Hard going on. Yeah, like even where he's (laughs) he's jumping off the balcony. Yeah, it's exploding. He's jumping off down into the bottles. I was you're kind of almost waiting to see him like step on something and and. Be pleased he's wearing shoes, yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah. or maybe the moment where he's getting into his tux. Because yeah. in in Die Hard, he's in his tux to go to the the, the thing, but he, he takes his shoes off and scrunches his toes like he was told, yeah, uh, by by the guy in the airplane. Yeah. So you'd almost want he, he's got his ta- tux on, and you know, scrunches he's his home. toes once, and then puts his shoes on and gets up and walk out like that. Would, maybe there'd be two on the nose, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a bit of uh, a bit of that going on.
1: He's got the shirts ripped down. And and
0: consequently, a bit of um, Die Hard 3. Yeah. I I don't think Die Hard 3, I think Die Hard 3 was actually after this one. I'd say it would be, yeah. Taxi Driver with his shirt torn, I don't know, it's it's probably a reverse
1: reference. Well, we are in the future, we are in the future, uh, so you know.
0: Uh, I don't know if there's any other films. It, it's probably it's like most of his films, he plays the same sort of character. He does, so, <laughs> he does. And as as we mentioned in in, in um, surrogates, and he does it well, so it, it's kind of good like that. And uh, yeah, what <laughs> what about the scene where he's he's he gets up and he puts the trophy down and the, <laughs> the, the rising music, he's about to accept an award. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, so <laughs> what about? The, I don't think that's in any of his movies, but yeah. You know, so, what about the Mangalors? You were talking about them earlier. You you like them?
1: Yeah. Well, the the Ma- Mangalors. No, the they're the um, they're the shape changing. Yeah, shape changing ones. So, I mean, us. I think I really liked. It was. I presume I didn't research it, so I mean, from watching it, I liked that they could change their faces, mm-hmm. and they changed them, and that that scene where Zorg says. It says, oh, you know, like you don't have a very good face on, you know, and it's like a black man or whatever. But it's it's cool because then he shakes it out and he's then this alien creature. And the clever thing with that is then we see the black man later on the ship, yes. don't we? So it's like such a cool little, like, you know, connection, little black herring yeah, or whatever they call it. Um, but I like I like that they're like that. I like that they're kind of like very viscous. I like that they're very... Um, they're kind of like dogs that shake drool off their face. Yes. They're kind of tough and strong. They remind me a fair bit of like, oh, is it Bebop or Rocksteady? They, it's that kind of – they've got a bit of a mutant alien energy to yeah, them. Yeah, they do. They're big and strong and violent and aggressive, but a little bit stupid and a little bit like they're a bit gung-ho. They're a bit
0: scaredy-pants too, aren't they? Yeah, a couple yeah. of times they're sort of – when they're confronted, they they back off. They run for it.
1: Yeah, and then this great sort of idea that oh, you take care of the leader, and then none of none of them knows what to do. You know, like it's a it's a cool idea, and they they get tricked. This is what I mean. They're a bit stupid, aren't they? They kind of get tricked into doing the deal, and then they're being double crossed by Zorg, and then they're then they but then they think they're going off to like do their own destiny, and then that doesn't pay off for them either. So no. and then you know Lee kicks their living butts out. You know, like. Yeah, I really liked them. I really liked them. They've got this weird creature effect to them. And that scene in the airport where the couple come up and they're trying to impersonate um, Corbin um, and his like, face keeps changing a little bit. Like, yeah, it's you kind of. I kind of felt for them when I watched it. This I, know. Time. I don't think I felt for them when I watched it as a teenager, but I, you kind of... I, I, there's a little part of me feeling for you them. You do, because...
0: particularly because I think they were... They did have some sort of a cause that they were yeah, fighting for. Yeah. They weren't purely pirates. I mean, that's what they did. They were mercenaries yeah. and, and so forth. But they, they had some sort of a reason for it. Mm. And yeah, at the airport where they're just like, "What do you mean? You know, like when the cans are dangerous? They're like, just wait a minute, just wait a minute." And they go ah, and they turn around <laughs> and run for it. Plan B, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just, pull, just
1: dive into the rubbish,
0: pull guns, get away spray them. away, yeah. and jump in the yeah. trash.
1: Yeah. I don't know something something kind of uh, fun about them that, that I think I liked. I yeah, really and as I said,
0: you can imagine, if there was further series or, or a TV off or something, yeah, they could they, have they would that be off. great characters in there because you'd have to have one of them uh, as you know one of the main protagonists, one of mm. the good guys. Yeah, uh, he would he would make such a good character there where he's you know still all. Up for his cause, lost cause, whatever it is, you know, like their yeah. homeworld. I, I don't know if display, it didn't really explain it in there, but no. he'd be all strong for that, so you'd have that. Um, he, he would have some virtue and valor, mm. so you could uh, you could go, yeah, no, he's a he's a good person because yes. he wants
1: his species to well, succeed at something. It is it is said that the humans have not have. I think it kind of was implied that. They kind of came to Earth and they've been um, annihilated. Like, it's like they haven't been given refugee status or anything. Mm. There is a moment in the film where they do say that, yeah. Um, Have you been up to anything yourself, science fiction related or...? Well, I'll tell uh, you something
0: that is a bit science fiction. I've got solid bike tyres. Oh, hello. This is new technology. Right. Uh, Well, it's old technology but made (laughs) new. You filled it with sand. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, there's, there's, a, there's this company that makes, um the, their research and development was in the rubber that you make sh- the bottom of the shoes. Okay. You know, like you, you look at your running shoes and you get like that sort of hardy, of tough yep. uh, foam stuff within the rubber sole. Mm, yep, yeah, yep. so that's, that's what they've made. But they went and made bike tires out of it. And the reason for that is because my back tire in particular just always getting punctures, yeah, right. always deflating, like, if I get two weeks without a puncture, I'm happy. Like I've gone through so many, so now I've got solid bike tires on.
1: Nice.
0: They 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 roll a little bit slower and they're a little bit rougher, but I run you know um, racing slicks anyway, so I get 120 psi. They're quite firm. So when I'm riding it, I, you know, I don't really notice it, but I ride with such confidence now, knowing <laughs> that all that glass and those rocks and all that sort of. Not going to touch me, they're nice. guaranteed for eight thousand kilometers, wow, so they're they're going great, cool, Really and yeah, cool. I, I think that's a bit of science fiction now I just why why have I not known about these things earlier? <laughs> oh
1: why God. aren't all tires just that? you know what I mean like why why are we bothering with this whole air?
0: Wow, well, yeah, like give a, few never more, get a flat a few more iterations of of this, and yeah, you won't need it, but Uh, I guess what the air ones are is a slightly better rolling speed. So if you're going to race, you wouldn't race race in these things. No, no. But I'm riding either to commute or to exercise. Yeah. And if I'm exercising and it's, I think they they reckon it's about a 5% greater rolling resistance. So it's probably similar to like a mountain bike tire. Yeah. Versus my slicks that I normally run. Or maybe not quite as bad as a mountain bike tire. But I'm doing it for exercise. So if it's a little bit harder to pedal, okay, I get a little bit more exercise. Yeah. (laughs) fine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's a win-win to me. That's right. And when I'm commuting, I've got an electric motor on it, so I don't, you know, 5% extra than my jack yeah. difference to me. You're cheating anyway. Yeah, cheating anyway. Well, I just wear my work clothes. I you
1: know, I just <laughs> ride it like a motorbike. It's great.
0: And and what about you? Anything going on there?
1: Yeah, well, uh, not, I suppose, science fiction so much, but just in terms of writing, I've got to get away for four days and really investigate where I want to go with my writing next so came up with kind of i've been doing this project where i've been looking at films that have really resonated with me like ones from my childhood or in recent times and trying to figure out why i like them so much mm. or why they stuck with me or you know why they're the kind of things that you know you meet someone at a party and you start going did you ever see <laughs> so it's like kind of re-watching them with that question in mind is like what is it about this that tickles me you know that that makes my you know um inner child happy so to speak because then the concept and this came from andy j pizza is the concept is is that then if you watch a bunch of those films or read a bunch of those stories and figure out you can probably figure out what you should be writing Mm. about or maybe even just including some of the elements that you like you know it might be a scene it might be music it might be uh, when we talk about film, sorry, it might be a scene, it might be music, it might be something to do with the way they they uh, the character is developed, like what we're saying here with the Fifth Element. That you might go, oh, well, hang on, all the all the characters have some sort of context to them; they have some sort of backstory, and we visibly see that. I really like that, mm. and if that is something that tickles your inner child, then and then if you're a writer, you should be thinking, oh, I could, I I should put that in my story. I should. I shouldn't just have one main character. I'm going to have one main character, but all my little characters are going to have a little thing to them. They're going to have a little personality twerk that's going to be revealed, you know? And so that's the idea of it. And yeah, well, I got to go away and um, spend a bit of time just kind of working through that. And I kind of figured out what I feel are the themes that I like. And then on one of the days I've made myself write a short story that uh, involves those things.
0: So, yeah. uh, I I've listened to this same episode of Creative Pep Talk. Yeah, and I did a similar thing because I've noticed I've got this strange thing that I love watching and reading science fiction. And I love fantasy movies, like um, TV series. Yep, but I just, all the stories I end up wanting to write are contemporary fantasy. So, yep. uh, a, a modern a modern day version, analog of, of our current world, yeah. but with fantastic elements. Yeah. So as uh, as opposed to uh, you know a specifically urban fantasy, I think of this. Yeah. But it's for some reason that that's what all of my stories end up drawing me into is this um, and varying levels of of fantasy or science fictiony type bits in there, but but not pure science fiction. For some reason, I try and think of pure science fiction stories, and I just I just don't. Mm. And so I was wondering about that same thing, and I, I did a similar one there and. Uh, and you know, i won't go into all of my bits but the one overriding theme there the one that makes me dance with excitement is stories of philosophically confronting and changing mm. so that's that's yeah. like we talk about pitch black which yeah. we watched, and I, I said there's something about that movie it just yeah that would be it one just makes you. it awesome and one yeah. is is just that story of riddick yeah where he he yeah, he doesn't. You can't say he becomes a good guy at the end, but you can say that he's he he's confronted something about himself because he sees it mirrored in this pilot woman, and he he has that change, and you can feel it. And, yes. I, and I love having that feeling. And a lot of these stories that then yeah, I want so it's to end that up
1: feeling that you need to get to. Right? Yeah, these
0: writing that I want to write in this contemporary fantasy, I, I for some reason find I do find that to be the vehicle which brings in this. This philosophical, I can I can better explore the philosophical side of that usually with um, uh, some sort of either quasi-religious or nihilistic taints, mm. without having to be you know explore science fiction or develop a, a full like um, medievally fantasy world. So mm-hmm. that's it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been fine. I've I've what, found
0: it. What was it?
1: One well, one
0: theme or the one idea. One,
1: the one thing I think is underdog. Mm-hmm. I like an underdog that succeeds. So I know that essentially you could say a lot of stories, like even this one, um, you know, Bruce Willis's character is a bit of an underdog in a way in the environment they put him in. But what I mean by underdog is that the films that I've been looking at; they all do have a you know the the key character is really a real underdog. So mm. they're really up against it from the start, and so um yeah so and and obviously, the point of the underdog eventually is for them to succeed, even against all odds, so that yeah that that's that's one of my themes, yeah, cool so, to be but it it's funny because then you turn around, and I don 't know about you, but my creative process with writing so far is that ideas kind of come at me. You know, in the shower, driving, walking on the beach in a forest. They hit me in the head, you know, if I was talking to maybe you. <laughs> we could be doing this and suddenly my brain starts, it's almost like, bam, here's an idea for a story. Um, whereas when, once I realized my couple of themes, because I've, I've got kind of three that I think I'm circ- circling. It's kind of like, oh, well, hang on, how do you write a story like deliberately about that, mm, you know? That's... And so I did go through that process and then I've talked to my wife a bit about that and she's like, well, maybe you still accept the ideas that like whack you in the head but then you mould them, you, know, yeah. like you you evolve them. Because you do, like even the ideas I get, I mean, you have to work hard to make them a finished story. So her suggestion, of course, was you take that, as an inspirational point and then you have your theme that you might want to work into it, you know, or if it works with it or you put it in there somehow. Well, so, yeah.
0: Well, and, and I think the interesting thing that uh, you're saying there is, is about having that idea and, and moving it to the theme. And that's why I've recently finished writing this Hansel and Gretel retelling, which is a bit of a horror, yep. which is almost an inverse. And I found it it's quite difficult because in this one, it's a, uh, we start off a low point Mm. And the characters reach this point. The midpoint is actually where they they think that life could be good, that they could they could help people and be nice. Yeah. But then they go nah, and they go yeah. down the bottom, and they they end up in the shit further down than when they started. Yeah, right. In a, in a worse position and worse people. Right. And it was quite hard for me to write that, but I, I really wanted to make sure that I did write it because I haven't written something like that. And Interesting. It was while I was writing that that I did this this process, mm. and I realised that that's why I was having so much trouble is because I wanted these characters to see some ray of hope and to attain some epiphany. Yeah. But I had to not have them do that. It was <laughs> it was like yeah, it's like purposely not sneezing when you really have a tickly nose. You
1: know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very hard. And that's a uh, it, it's uh, you know. You- we are, you know, like you and I have talked a lot about someone like Blake Schneider and we've talked to, you know, as a story structure writer teacher and, you know, there's other, other things like this. And when you talk, talk about a lot, you know, all these stories that are out there, you know, at the end of the day, you want, everyone wants the protagonist to kind of win. But you get these stories which can be very powerful when the protagonist doesn't win, right? Mm. Like when they don't succeed, so even though I'm saying I want the underdog to succeed, I you know you can think of these movies where you know like the anti-hero story does work, doesn't it? Like it, it when it's done properly, Donnie Darko is a perfect example of that. Like such an amazing movie and you get to the end and it, and it's an he's, he is an anti-hero. So it's like but you you imagine for the writer that is that could be like heartbreaking it? Oh, <laughs>
0: that really <laughs> satisfied me the yeah, thing, it extremely that extremely satisfied. that movie's amazing but it is exactly that he had an epiphany moment yeah where he chose to do chose something different to do something, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. and that's that thing that i like is that he he grew and he and he went through these things and then he, he was yeah and that's And then the thing, he, he sort of seemed grew. at peace he came at peace and, he, and that's why into, it really yeah. touched me is cuz i was like it, it was a dark ending yeah for sure uh, as you said but it was a, a dark ending twist on what I like or what mm. draws me in. Because that was one of those movies where I was going, why did I like that movie? Like it's, a, it's nothing terribly exciting happens in it. It's got a bit of humor in there. It's a bit dark, yeah, as the name tells you. But yeah, anyway, that was, that was it. It was, it was that moment where he goes, aha, yeah. I know what I have to do. And then we get these flashes through everyone's life and yeah. how it rolls out. By him changing the future or the present or the past or whichever way it is.
1: I guess when you really think about it, it still resolves his arc, doesn't it? So that's, Mm. that's the funny thing. The writer's done a really great job there because... You've gotten to his resolution. Oh, are but just we in a, able
0: to do Donnie Darko on this? is, it is, it, is it, it is. It's about time travel. Yeah, it's time travel. And it's um, psychology. Yeah.
1: No, we could do Donnie Darko. I, th- I think we're going to have to. <laughs> that now. probably is a classic. That's a classic for sure. Okay, so we probably should get in stuck into a little bit about the plot and a couple of things technically, I think. Otherwise, we'll be here all night um, or day, wherever you're listening to us. <laughs> uh, so, as we said before, it's directed by French filmmaker Luc Benson, who also wrote it, along with Robert Mark Gammon. Um, I've said his name three times differently now, I think. Uh, and Luke apparently came up with this story as a teenage boy. Yes. So he kind of like came up with the story concept when he was quite young and stuck with him and he's he's developed it along the way and you know ended up making this great film. We have Bruce Willis, was mentioned a lot, Gary Oldman, uh, Ian Holm uh, plays Cornelius. Uh, Mila Jovovich, uh, which we all know, and as Sarri's been saying, this was her sort of big first film. Um, Chris Tucker, who I just think, oh, I mean, he, he probably, to me, it's like Oscar. This thing's like, you know, not as, what is it? Assistant Oscar. <laughs> Well, oh it's, it's funny because
0: from that midpoint of this movie... Supporting actor, that's what He, it's he does join and he's right there at the end. He's right there, yeah, yeah. He's all it's, the way. So it's, it's a funny add-on that he got added into it. It is,
1: but it's just... His performance is absolutely amazing, I reckon. I think all actors need to see Chris Tucker in the fifth element. Like, he owns But he that. had license. I reckon he had a lot of license. I'd love to know more Luke had Luke. initially
0: approached Prince. Yeah, right. And you can see that it, those sort of fits. outfits and stuff. Yeah. But apparently Prince... Thought it was too effeminate, which you're going like, yeah. Go. Prince has is, is never been afraid of um, looking like Ruby Ruby Rod, really. Like, you know, yeah. you see some of his video clips and stuff, he's wearing these, you know, body suits and he's very sexual, but not in an overbearing masculine way, you know, but nonetheless yeah. still masculine. Like, it's weird, but uh, yeah,
1: Chris Tucker like totally took it. So we have the opening image. We're fast traveling through space till we arrive at Earth. And at then Earth. we have this massive alien spaceship. Well,
0: uh, uh, this is really cool. I because this is not the first. This is not the first time I've seen this film. So I, and I'm watching it now with a, a you know, a joy watch or trying to extract as much out of this film yeah. as I can. I know it came up. It's a very typical science fiction starting, isn't yeah. it? Like come through space, come to Earth. Uh, Earth is at the bottom and then the camera rotates and so Earth seems to slide up and so it's like this weird... You get this angling effect and then the alien spaceship comes along and I was looking at that and thinking, is that like our little hint that this movie is going to be a little bit skewed? Mm. Because we didn't have the typical Star Wars start where the you know the spaceship flies in overhead and over the planet, but it rotated us so that you had to kind of adjust your view or, the, or your angle at which you were viewing the, the whole thing. Yeah. And then because then shortly thereafter, we see the, the Pingu characters. Being <laughs> a French film, it <laughs> would be Pingu. Yeah, right. Come waddling out and you can't think, okay, this is like a 100% serious film. No. When you see the aliens modeled like that. So anyway, that's just, that was what really struck me with that opening. You're making me see these technical things now and yeah. angles.
1: It felt a bit space odyssey, but again, yes, with the, it... the way that it, it, the the opening of like flat fast, you know, going over all rocks and stuff in space, uh like where the point of view of a spaceship, I presume. But then, like when it got to Earth, it slowed and it rotated. That that mm. deliberate rotation felt a bit space and odyssey. The, and the star baby at the right. end of space odyssey
0: so yeah. is, is sort of facing Earth. That's like right. That. So yeah. it's
1: kind of a bit similar. Anyway, we jump down onto Earth, and it's Egypt, 1940. There's a boy on a donkey. Um, He kind of arrives at this old. uh, It's not a pyramid, but it's yeah, it's a temple or something. Kind of stands out. Um, There's an archaeologist, and that's not the right word. Archaeologist. Archaeologist. What am I talking about? Um, And there's also his assistant, an artist, uh, and he's drawing. from what he is talking about. And he's kind of doing the old Indiana Jones with a little kind of digging out the wall. and he's reading the thing as late, as is. As light. is, the light. And he's like a poor little boy falling asleep with a massive mirror. And which Curry. made me think of the paradox because, yes. <laughs> as Ahmed said, well, we used mirrors to get some of the lighting going. Get the go, light oh.
0: down inside yeah.
1: there. Uh, I had a little laugh about that, the separate thing. Um, and he ponders, he's talking about the inscriptions or the you know, the diggings on the wall, and he's saying there's something about, you know, this central character and it stands out. I think he even mentions like the fifth, like this this, five or something.
0: Here's the four elements around a fifth
1: fifth element. Yeah. So the Title of the film. And then uh, this pre-centers, and he tries to poison them um, uh, because he believes they know too much. And uh, with that, a shadowing effect comes over the whole temple, um, as is, late. <laughs> the and whole then, place illuminates. And there's
0: some big spotlights. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, very, good these. These very good.
1: Uh, so, you know, the archaeologist is just kind of in his own little world when everyone else has kind of noticed that this spaceship has landed. Poor
0: Luke Perry is scratching away.
1: He's scratching away. He's freaking out. And again, what I said earlier is true here. Like the penguins come down, but we just sort of see enough of them, but we don't see all the details and... They're kind of waddling down and they're really big and bulky and...
0: And a little bit asymmetrical too. Yeah, they've got spikes. Spines are not symmetrical. I I noticed that. I thought, that's a nice little touch.
1: Um, And the aliens do arrive and they're called Mondo Shalans, I think, is what we've been going with. And they have... One of them, uh, out of his finger, comes a special little key which opens the wall and... um, the archaeologist is kind of shocked by all this because you know obviously he thought he was going to be the world expert of this fifth element thing, um, and they just with their eyes—do they kill him or no? Do they do- I don't. They couldn't. I don't think kill him. they killed him because as and also their whole film,
0: purpose is to preserve to say, life. Yeah. So you got to think they just sort of gave him a bit of a ninety-nine. Night.
1: Ninety-nine. I just like how one of the Mundashawans um, kind of looks at the other one, and then he's like, mm. oh, "Okay, <laughs> zapped him with a bit of brain power, or whatever it is." Um, and uh, they enter this other room, and this is what I was saying before about they. They say to the priest that um, the elements are not safe on Earth anymore, and because war is coming. And yeah, it's a good question. Is it World War One? Because it's nineteen fourteen.
0: I got the same feeling you did. Was that it I was it an intergalactic, intergalactic space war. space war? But uh, he. Yeah, there's a bit of a confrontation there where Billy, the Luke Perry's character, America. yeah, he's can't not, handle it. He's can't just it. fresh off 90210, yeah. and he, he he can't handle it. He sort of freaks out a bit, but they um, uh, and and he fires. It doesn't do much, but the doors start closing and the the slowers all get out. Sort of <laughs> penguin dude shuffles forward and then tells the Please. priest, "Do what you're supposed to do. We'll be back in 300 years." Yeah, and he puts his hand and in the through, door. Key gets out. Priest grabs the key. Ha ha! I've got the key, and then we we cut away to three hundred. I don't think they had to say three hundred years later. I think no, we kind maybe. of got the idea that they were in space and yeah, yeah, because they said we'll be back in three hundred years, yes. and then we cut to space and there's people doing stuff. You think was that one of those film ones where we go, we better say three hundred years later, <laughs>
1: just to be clear,
0: just to be clear that this isn't like you know one hundred fifty years.
1: And there's this pretty Star Warsy modern military spaceship and, uh, you know, full military space crew. Yeah,
0: we, we and it it comes in from the, the planetary alignment symbols on the wall. Yeah. And then we see the electronic versions of those on the displays.
1: It's cool. There's some cool details in there, like the guys uh, flying the ships, so like they've got wires in there coming yeah. out around the I, I like that. It, it looks like gears. cooling. Yeah. And it look
0: like, like, uh, I've got an air conditioner, that, you know, one of these systems. <laughs> yeah. They're comes out of the wall and the 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 pipes that carry the yeah, cooling fluid are connected onto the compressor with that yeah. same connection. So I always got the impression there was like this cooling cap to keep their brain <laughs>
1: yeah. cryogenically
0: gently cool like maybe they're cyborgs or yeah. something. Yep.
1: Yeah. And there's guys behind them in sort of like yellow fluoro zones of the ship yeah, the, the, controlling things.
0: The skipper dude.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's some really nice detail, actually, if you're really into those kind of science fiction details. They're, they're there. Um, and we're pretty quickly learning that there's this growing black matter, um, and we cut from the spaceship where this general is kind of running the show back to New York, UN president of the world, I think. The United Federation. Yeah, whatever it is. And they're talking about this growing black matter. Um, and, of course, the general... Good old generals, what does he say? He says that great uh, line, I think it's best to fire first and ask questions later, yeah. you know. And so the priest part that we we were introduced to the priest, um Cornelius, right? Yes. Yeah. And he, he is there at the UN and we get a very cool little glimpse of his belt is the four elements. So we know he's like one of these priests. And he speaks up and says, Don't fire because this thing is evil. Yeah, evil begets evil. Yeah. So he's kind of giving them the warning, but good old soldiers are like, nah, let's let's fire. And they fire a pretty good round Three, of bombs.
0: Two twenties.
1: Yeah. Whatever they Ze- Xeon two twenties. Xeon two twenties. And then the evil black mass grows a bit. Yep.
0: So they fire their two forties or the two sixties? And the big spread of them. Yeah. And huge, then it it doesn't it affect it. Even it grows more. big and then the the guy says, what do we have that's bigger than the 260? I can't remember if it's 260 or 240, yeah. but nothing, sir.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, like. And they're just literally like, there's a great moment, which is very Event Horizon, which is about the same vintage of this film, but it's it, like it is, he yeah. just stares at the growing black mess, doesn't he? And then the president's like, okay, we'll get out of there, get out of there, back away. But he just stares, and we get this like he's getting black ooze or blood,
0: black ooze coming of. out from under his hat.
1: Yeah, coming out from under his hat, as he's just sort of obsessing over this uh, heaving black ball. <laughs> when you put it that way, it sounds a bit sounds a bit uh, sexualized. Um, so we cut from that, and yeah, obviously it ends in disaster. Really, we don't nas- we don't actually see it, but we see that it's coming towards the general. Um, we have Major Bruce Willis. Wakes up, wakes an alarm.
0: Up. Yeah, there's an alarm Is it's going off and then it's... He's
1: in his little dodgy apartment. He says, yeah,
0: have a good day. And then and the five cigarettes come down. He yeah. says, oh, I'm going to quit.
1: his cat's meowing outside his door. He
0: literally saves the cat, brings the cat in and treats it nicely. So we know he's a nice guy and he's... Yeah, he's he's looking very
1: Bruce Willis-y. Picks up that phone. The phone, he he has a comment.
0: And the conversations on this phone are great. With
1: Finger? The guy he's talking about is called Finger? Finger, is
0: it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a great exposition where he's talking about his... Due in for this six monthly overhaul, and you've how many points you yeah. left? in are like, oh, I got at least fifty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, and you know, make sure. And he's you talking you're about like he
1: only wants the guy's going. Why don't you get some women in your life? He's like, I only want the one. Yeah, but the she's ones. not here.
0: It's a, it's just basically an info dump. Yeah, but it's entertaining because of course the cab person he's talking on the phone. We never see this guy. No, he's a character. Yeah, the way he talks and the and the the casual banter they have is is evocative.
1: Yeah. So um, and then this is. Where he so he gets ready for his day. And he's offered a job, isn't he, for this guy. Do you want a do you want a job? Doing something?
0: Does he go do I thought he was just gonna do Yeah, anyway. But anyway,
1: so he's he's and then that's where he opens the door and this tweaker is there with this yeah. huge gun. I weird, can't remember. Weird what gun
0: with spikes on it. And spikes
1: stuff. and a layer and he's also got a weird hat on. He's got the, the, the and, f- and he's just photo, like shaking the
0: photo of the hallway from the point of view <laughs> of the camera so that yeah. How long have you been saying this? Just give me the cash. Give me the cash. Give me the cash. <laughs> I remember my friends and I, we used to do this like when we're yeah. out at a pub or whatever, uh, buying a round of drinks. We say, what do you want? <laughs> Just give me the cash. Give me the cash. <laughs> and then, of course, see, you know, take it. I, I don't need it. I, I still say that to my kids now yeah. when they, they ask for something. I give it to them. I say, take it. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. And he does a little dance. Was well, see, this is, again, this is where we're establishing Corbin's credentials as yeah. a good guy. Because, yeah, he, he he says, oh, it's not working. you got to press that button. Yeah, press and that then, button. And then, of course, it's, I think he just disarmed it. He did, yeah. And so he points the gun at him and says, yeah, hand over. And, and, he, and he treats him nice. He goes, yeah, yeah okay.
1: He, he pulls the gun off him and he's got <laughs> he's this, like, this whole range of guns which presume that he's constantly being trying he's, to be, people are trying to rob him.
0: He's confiscating guns. And yeah. so you know he's a good guy because he's, he confiscates again and says, yeah, yeah, look, just go away and, and look oh, after yourself. And, yeah. and he has a bit of a chuckle about it and the guy sort of scurries off. Yeah. And so, right there, right there you, you go, oh, he's, he's a good guy. Like, he's tough. He knows what he's doing. He's not afraid. But he's, he's not. Because he could have easily, like, could easily have been the case where he's like a violent encounter and he goes punch, bang, yeah. and crash yeah. and defeats him as, establishes his credentials as a really tough guy.
1: He but, knows he's tough, and he doesn't need to really deal with it, but Schoen. this this was really good. I, yeah. I really
0: liked it 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 spoke well of the character. you it wanted did. this character to do well
1: so th- we we cut to the fact that now the um, Mondo Shawans are coming back, and they want to enter earth's airspace or something, zone, in the yeah, zone or whatever. And so there's like some sort of security fence perimeter, and which I think, oh, that's pretty good technology. To yeah, have
0: yeah. How massive is that thing? Because it was yeah. out past Jupiter or underneath. yeah, I know. But it was cool. It's so, like stoplights and then they turn green and the, the ship <laughs> flies through and they turn red again behind it. Yeah,
1: so they do the president or whatever they allow them in. Um, but unfortunately, those pesky... What are they bloody called? Mangalors, Mangalors um, come in. I wrote it the wrong way around. Yeah, they they come in and they attack and shoot the living shit out of the and it, and it crashes and it crashes into and somewhere. you can see
0: on the the the, the priest has told the president. Oh look, you know, every five thousand years these guys are going to turn up. Yeah. and then they turn up and they're like, yes, okay, this, yeah. this is it's going to. You know, we need something to help us here. And then they just smash.
1: They smash, bam, all dead. Everyone's dead. Yeah. Um, so Zorg, we then are introduced to Zorg who communicates with these aliens that shot them down um, and he, he's told that they are all annihilated. You yeah. know? So he's happy about that. And we it's great. It's a great old Inspector Gadget kind of thing. We don't see Zorg from front on. We just yeah. see him from behind. And he's got a bit of a weird shape to him. And he's very clinical in what he said to these aliens. So we know this guy's a badass. Is is a, ba- a bad guy? He's... he's just a bad guy, right? So it's great. I loved it. He's got, totally, collar, the, the... he's got the high collar. That he's got the high collar. We you can see he's got a weird shaped head. Like this guy is badass. We're not even seeing where he's who he is yet. Naughty. Straight away, Gary Col- uh, Oldman at his at his just. I love when he does this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and then we then we get to this that. Uh, the um, the uh, the American whatever it is the UN <laughs> I'm just going to call it the UN. They've uh, gone to the wreckage, um, and they've, got a, we've they've got, got a survivor. We've got a survivor. We've got some survivor. They're they rushing with a gurney, r- the floating yep. gurney, and it's just like a hand, It's just a hand holding onto a rail. Um, and the general guy is saying to the scientists, "Like this is this is this survivor. is it? Like this is ridiculous." And the and the scientists like, "No, no, no." you got to understand, we ran some tests, and this is perfect DNA. Like, mm. there's there's something about this. And he, he I, I like this because they're all rushing in, and he just just drops a little bit of exposition yeah, that I, we talked I'm about not... before, just to explain it to the audience. And, and that... the
0: nonsense he, he says is, like, the normal human DNA has 40 globulins or whatever it is you know, and you go, okay. And then you're a <laughs> treatment but this one has got... You expect him to say yeah. like 43 or yeah. 41, but he says, this has got over 200,000. You're like, like <laughs> holy crap. Yeah. yeah, like 40 is re- all that's required for a complete human. This has yeah. got 200,000. You're like, yeah. okay, that's that's almost like it's been engineered. Yes. And yeah. it's considerable. And of course, it's never really explained as to whether this fifth element was engineered. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, we don't
0: know. Yeah, it takes us through to the growth chamber which is a cool little sequence this is
1: the cool this to me is like the science in this film is this this growth chamber it's like
0: 3D printing a person that's exactly what I said yeah and they they point out here's the DNA of a normal person you see the double helix we all know that and here's this organism and it's like so many DNA helixes helixes all wrapped up up, and says yeah, it's just like there's so much more it's almost like this is the perfect organism and yeah it's 3D printing this this human in a in a non-standard way, so it was like you know little clippers clipping off little cross sections.
1: Yeah, they went so through like... and they did that, and I, I like really like this because it's kind of like they built from that bone layer, and then they and then you saw like a computer screen of the bones, mm. and then they and the computer screens are quite crude, whereas what was going on in the machine was really yeah. like sophisticated, and then and then it's like oh the the layer of veins and muscles. <laughs> I love the way <laughs> I love I mean, the
0: way it came on. It was like. Have you seen those machines? They're like knitting machines? Yes, yeah. And yeah. like a sock-making machine? Yes, That's what yes. it looked like. It was like spinning around and just threads yeah, of meat, it, yeah, meat going not, onto yeah. it. Yeah, it's great.
1: And there, there was, you saw shots of like pump and ooze and yeah. the fluids and stuff, which Almost, is cool.
0: I, I thought it was a bit Tim Burton-esque. Yes. And, we and expecting like
1: weird big plunges. And he does also then say, they, they close it, and they go... What does he say? He's like, expose it to ultraviolet light so it will grow skin. Right?
0: Oh, this is I love this quote. I wrote it down. We're going to uh, bombard, bombard it with slightly greasy solar atoms. Yeah. To evoke <laughs> a defense response. Mm. Slightly greasy solar wonder, atoms. What the hell is that? <laughs> I had a look to see if there's any such thing. Yeah. Uh, and there is space grease, greasy carbon. Yeah. Which is to say carbon can form into a couple of different... Forms like crystalline form, or like like a hydrocarbon form, which is like greasy form. Um,
1: but yeah, no
0: no such thing as slightly greasy solar atoms. So. Do
1: you know what's also you know what's cool in this the, in these moments is that that scientist is sort of stepping us through some of those things, right? Like he's explaining it, but all the other scientists are also again going back to giving context to characters. Did you notice in this scene all the other scientists? Also arced up at different steps, mm. so they didn't they didn't he didn't give them more stories, but they all kind of oh and, uh, proceeding with u v you know like they all had like a role to play, and at the same time, the general is kind of like mouth open yeah gawking at what the hell is doing this but to for the whole process to happen it's his security clearance right yeah, so i don't know if he's never seen this happen before or it's just that it's such a Strange, you know, aliens being blown out by our aliens. I get the like, feeling that
0: he's never seen it because he,
1: yeah, he's,
0: he is portrayed as not being super sharp. No,
1: no. So, it's, but but it was interesting, wasn't it? Because it, like I found that it was a cool mix of all the scientists were very cool and calm and collective, and the, and and the lead scientist was really like excited about it. All like, yeah, <laughs> let's grow a human. You know, what is this thing? You know, like it's perfect. And uh, like, like as you're saying, like greasy soul atoms. So um and they opened it up and yeah, we have a naked Miller job. I love marriage. that
0: they say thermal strapping. And it's just <laughs> completely straps that go across the, the breasts and the groin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they're bloody hot like that. I tell you what, they are real. That is a good outfit. Isn't that's it? why they're that called is, thermal. Like that is a, that's a bit of a dream outfit, what they wrapped her in. Um yeah don't don't think about offering her clothes or... <laughs> no.
0: well, the guy then he he pulls the card out and he walks up and teases her with it and says, You yeah. know you got to start learning English pretty fast, or you know you don't get out with a thing, and she punches through, Smashes through well she does it so sort of weird her sort of stare and then growls a bit and punches through and grabs the pass and lets
1: herself out. And it, runs for it now. You got to remember at a pretty similar vintage, and those that they're listening can let me know if I'm right or wrong. But species is at a pretty similar time, isn't it? i trying to remember that. I think that might be '97 or '98 as well. And again, here you've got like a really strong, powerful woman. So I just kind of connected it then, thinking about species that the fact that she's kind of an alien on the loose a strong, attractive woman, you know? So this film was kind of, to me, I remember, maybe it actually came out before this because I, I I sort of felt like, oh, is that where this is going to go? She's going to be, you know, a bit of a killer on the loose or something, you know? Um, so that's, that's something that, that's also a film that we should look at. Um, so she does the unspeakable in a cool way that, so she smashes out of the glass she then is confronted by all these guards are running into the room, and you kind of, and she looks down the corridor, and there's more guards coming. And you think that, like, I honestly thought, like, oh, she's going to run and, like, do a somersault and a flip kick and all this sort of stuff. She just turns around and jumps through the wall. She yeah. smashes through into the vents, which is pretty cool. Um, and then she comes out and she ends up on the ledge of this, like, really tall building. The Police wall.
0: are chasing after This, this is where the, the cops sort of. Point the gun and say, "Okay, stop where you are and come back here and let's make it easy." And then yeah, she just "Come says, on, love." She sees them and then just walks off around the corner. And they go, oh, oh, they clearly oh, disappointed. That we've got to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: we might need a we don't need a flying car a squadron, you know? Yeah, something? flying unit. So, yeah, yeah." And so they come around and um, there's a there is a flying car and they're speaking to her um, and they try to identify her and she's not on the system. Um. And she is standing on the ledge and there's a really cool train that comes down the side of the building. Yeah, massive car-
0: carriage of some sort rattles down.
1: Yeah, which shows you that we are really high.
0: And and big.
1: And big, yeah.
0: And then she, she swan dives off and she just leaps off.
1: She leaps off when the police are asking her, to like, you know, your time's up. And she, there's a, you know, I still remember seeing this at the movies Um, and now, and when I watched it again, now it's like, it's a really nice moment of how she jumps off and she's falling and she kind of like misses traffic mm. and she like, maybe, I don't know how far she actually falls. It's not huge what she falls, but it's a really cool moment, isn't it? Because the camera's dropping with her. And you can see the complexity of the, what we are talking about before with, oh, let's all be flying cars. It'll be okay. We won't be in peak hour. But when you see it like this, it's like, no, there's still peak hour in the sky. It
0: just becomes three-dimensional. It just becomes
1: three-dimensional, you know. And she crashes into a taxi. Taxi of? Major. Major.
0: Corbin <laughs> Dallas. Corbin Dallas. And he's immediately concerned. Well, he, he manages to pull the taxi over because he almost crashes. And he looks back and says, "Any survivors?" And she pops up and um, says, uh, sort of can't talk English." And he's. But
1: did you? I, sorry, sorry. I just got to say, did you notice that it's an actually it's a mirror scene to when she is reincarnated and the general walks up and he goes, "You're gonna, you're gonna be able to learn how to communicate, hun. You mm-hmm. know, like if you want to get on in this world, right? So he's very confrontational. And then she's like, and smashes out, right, and uses him to smash her way out. Here, Bruce Willis's initial reaction when it's just him and he—he he actually says, "Oh, is everyone okay? Is there any survivors?" Yeah. And, but it's through a glass thing again. Yeah. So again, it, and so like she, and she responds to that. Isn't that like very thematic of the film where where we're going in this film, which is like love is the essence of humanity or you know like the good part of humanity like he responds to her not like
0: what the hell you done to my camera or or threatening
1: like threatening show oh look you need to come over to my side if you want this to go well yeah you know whereas he's he's actually like first of all oh are you is anyone okay is everyone okay you you know you're right you know and she responds
0: she does and and so do the police (laughs) yeah, <laughs> the police turn up and, and he goes, "Oh dear, here we go." Okay, well, I guess I've got to do what they say because he's, he's only got one point left on his license. Yeah. and, and the, the cops pull up and they, they connect a, a rope bench. across, and then she sees the "please help" sign. Is please help? Yep,
1: please help. <laughs> We're well, doing that really well, Very,
0: she's she's tremendously cute saying it, and I, I'm pretty sure. Very I'm, childlike. Yeah, the main reason they had her not speak English, I think, at the start was so that she could be seen more vulnerable. Yeah, and, extremely
2: yeah, vulnerable.
0: Cute. Yeah, and it, and it worked. He denies. We all she pleads, we all want to he save. He
1: denies. She pleads, and then he goes, ah.
0: We all wanted to be saved. Yeah, and yeah, and then he goes, ah, oh, stuff it, and he goes, takes yeah. off, and we have a police chase.
1: Good old chase.
0: And and they eventually, yeah, she's not tied in, so she bangs yeah. around a bit in the back. Yeah,
1: and there's just ducking and weaving all through the city. And in different the music ways. in this, have you? The music yeah. in
0: this movie is just. It's really unusual. It's because the music during this chase scene was not a fast banjo playing or anything like that. No, it was um, sort of Middle Eastern sounding. It music. was, yeah, uh, Algerian apparently if I looked it up, right. And they end up hiding in the fog. Yeah, the fog. after yeah some shooting and some bits and pieces, and she's been, she's been rum yeah rummaging around there loose there as he's battered her and, and so he climbs in the back and says that you're right, what's going on and she wants Priest Lito Cornelius <laughs> So off he goes to take it to the priest.
1: Yeah, and um he shows the priest the the priest is like, Well, you know, I'm not interested Weddings in are down random, the corridor. down, yeah, like, I'm not interested in this random woman. Um but he shows her the tattoo of the fifth and he oh and he faints and when he re you know uh, when he reawakens, um she explain sorry, he explains that she is really important to the survival of humanity, Um and you know, look after her, wake her up gently. It's a little bit of an odd thing, like wake her up gently, and uh, he decides to go in for a kiss, which There's is a, a little bit. It is a little bit weird that, but it is the Sleeping
0: Beauty. Uh, you know what do you call it? Yeah. Uh, trope.
1: Uh, what What is good is that then after the kiss. He regrets it, like, and he actually, like, literally badges himself about. Yeah, he says, "I her shouldn't have done that." Because he kisses her, and she pulls the gun on him, and you know, like, threatens him and stuff. And put, and then later, a couple of She's, scenes later, he's he's regretting it. Which and she is She says, nice, "Never know. without my permission." yeah. Never, see, yeah. Think, yeah. Um, she tells him that the stones were stolen. And well, the priest,
0: the priest says, you know. The stones are gone. That they were, and and she says, and we're getting a, a bit of cut now between Zorg. Yes, and this and this done a couple of times in this film, which is always very cool. Where yeah. it's, uh, you know, what's ha- the priest says something like, you know, what's happened to the stones? Yeah, and then we, we get the, the 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 Mangalors of rock up with a case to Zorg. He says, we have got the stones, and then there's, uh, you know, they open the case and it cuts to the, to the priest. What do you mean? There's no stones there. And Zorg is like, there's no stones here. And that, yeah, they sort of have this intercutting, which is very cool.
1: Yeah, I, and that was one of the technical things I want to come back to later, definitely. So, Zorg does meet with the aliens uh, and to get the stones, stones are not there. Um, he then kind of have a standoff he's got these special powerful guns that do everything which was pretty cool before that you sort of like you know they shoot they fire <laughs> like he... a good old-fashioned staple gun you know like and then he and he explains that they're always interested in the blinking light and so it's like you just see them like playing with the gun and one of them pushes the blinking <laughs> in the background the like... sounds like
0: shoots a net over yeah. his body and...
1: <laughs> yeah you know again like you f- i feel them like oh they're just not quite bright enough. and they do explode so zorg's like well buck them you know move on and um zorg then is saying that well i need to meet with that priest cornelius um for you know to find out where these stones would be um and this is where we we you talked about one of your favorite your favorite scene is that they have this very visual discussion where he pushes the glass off the table and Zorg is making the point that destruction leads to more life and you know in his his part, the broken glass, all these robots come out and they sweep. It's very Wally, even though you know Wally comes years after this film. But you know, there's a sweeper and there's a vacuum and there's a buffer. <laughs> so cute all those things. And then he starts choking on that cherry and uh the priest then has the upper hand of saying well, hang on, you need another person in your life for moments like this. you know. Otherwise you die like an old cat lady in an apartment and they find your naked ass skeleton body with 10 weeks after... Well-fed cats. Yeah, with some well-fed cats 10 weeks after you died you because know? you didn't have anyone in your life. And so there's a cool debate there, isn't there? Um, and Zorg is just basically saying that, well, I want the stones, give me the stones. Um We then cut to uh, Zorg, main henchman. I didn't quite get his name uh, uh, right down, but he... um, I think this is really nice. This really is a 90s thing, isn't it? It's like, put a camera on a cockroach. Yes. Put a little tiny camera. And so this, like, cockroach camera has been controlled Driven in there by him, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, again, it's like so 90s, like the cigarette thing. Um, it's hard to explain it, but it reminds me of like Tank Girl, you know, like it's just kind of all a bit like. Just, nine, it's it's, uh, it's again, just 90s. It's total 90s. It's just 90s. I don't know. How can I explain it? We've Sorry. got
0: this incredible technology of restructuring a human and <laughs> interplanetary transport, fast and light travel. But it would
1: make sense to put a camera on a cockroach. But then
0: he has a... And it's not even a terribly small camera either. No. It's,
1: <laughs> it's too... It's
0: not a, it could have been a robotic cockroach. But yeah. It wasn't. It was a no. real cockroach. It was a real life cockroach. I think,
1: that, it, I think that's it. That's it. That's what makes it 90s is that... It would it, you would imagine if it was three hundred years in the future, um so it's a couple hundred years from now because nineteen fourteen, uh it wouldn't be a cockroach, it'd be a robotic nanobite thing, right? Mm. A little so, drone. A, a drone thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, like a little fly or something. The, yeah. But the, the thing I love is so we hear over here that that's on the uh uh the the opera, the diva Flava laguna has got the stones <laughs> on the Flossden's paradise. paradise, yeah. And so he hears that, and then just after the president says they he sees the cockroach and slams Flames it with his, his shoe. shoe. And I love this little scene. It shows a quick flashback of the yeah, the guy Hinge controlling Man. it, and he's like his expression on his face, and his headphones go flying. Yeah. Off. Like if you freeze frame it, they actually because they're, they're hooked over like like earphone, yeah. you know, muff type things. Yeah, and then they they go straight. It's like they're just spraying off, yeah. off his head, and his hair stands up on end. <laughs> Something out of a kids' movie. It's, it is, yeah. but it's it, just. Big bugs, bunny, isn't it? It's the like, shortest little fragment of it. It was just yeah. brilliant because the whole scene was set up to be a little bit weird, like that.
1: And it goes into a further weirdness because now we have uh, Bruce Willis. He's having Chinese at his window. Uh,
0: well, well, the president says, "Who we're going to? You know, we need your top man on it." And yeah. And Cut to <laughs> General General says, I know just the man. Yeah. Cut to Bruce Cut to Willis. Bruce Willis is having and Chinese a, letter, a letter pops down yeah. just at that. So you're going, Oh, okay. Oh, I bet that's good luck. No, the last letter i had was my wife's divorce me. The next one was the my lawyer oh, yeah. running away with my wife. Yeah. You know, so I'm not touching it. And he says, Oh, i bet you a free lunch on this and he oh, okay, fine. And he, he opens it as a oh, you lost your job yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, well at least I've got free lunch. Good philosophy. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was quite good there. It's, it's a really cool, right? The expectation was that that would be his ticket to this new job. Yeah. But no, he just got fired.
1: Anyway, so the phone that phone rings and it's his mum. His oh, mum is like just giving him a hard time. Oh. Yeah, who's saying you do?
0: Corbin, you don't even think about me anymore. Why don't you taking me to Flossen Paradise? Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mum? Oh, it's been blaring all over the radio. You like the radio? <laughs> okay, they're blaring all over the radio. You won the All play. over the podcast,
1: I think Yeah, she
0: the, the podcast. That space brands have been talking about it non-stop. Which doesn't make sense because you can, like, stop it or skip yeah. forward. No, you can't. You can't skip forward through our podcast.
1: Anyway, with that, the general rocks up at the door with a female companion and an, and a male companion. Uh, and they explain general to him about... General
0: Iceborg, I think <laughs> her name was.
1: <laughs> and they explain to him about the mission and, like, the reasons. Like, how's that? The reasons why you should be here. Reason number one you have all the technical ability of the of the uh every every weapon
0: system Weapons and
1: is and he like <laughs> drops the paper and it like folds out yeah, great like, print
0: out paper yeah, it's like a huge, why would they do that why, why, would, why you would you bring do that? that he knows what he's got he
1: knows he's capable of, and why would you print it See, it's very <laughs> 1997 that but it's cool like, so, and he's like reason number 2 um your uh the most decorated most decorated <laughs> right out of your uh, you know, platoon basically. And the reason number three is the rest of your platoon are already dead. Yeah, you're, you're the <laughs> only, you're the you're only, only you one. Platoon. <laughs> yeah. like, that's such a good thing. And then it gets weirder because Lelu rocks up, right? And uh and he's like, Oh, I'm in love with this girl. Like, you know, i I've I've got have I've gotta I've gotta an impress her. And he like stick they like they go, Where where can we hide? You've yeah. got a one bedroom little apartment here. And uh, so he sticks them in the fridge. Like, it's so weird, though, <laughs> not it? Hits
0: the button and the fridge goes down. There's a it shower down, on top. Yeah,
1: shower on top. Which
0: kind of doesn't make a lot of sense, but okay.
1: But it's nice because then he opens the door and the priest barges in. So it's not just Lelou, And Lelou doesn't actually even really give a shit about him. He's the, you know, Whereas he's infatuated by her. Um, and he wants the mission... He, sorry, he wants the ticket to go on the mission to save the world. Yeah. And uh, the major's kind of you know hooked on Lu, and not um, anyway, so he's um, he, he's into that, and then and then he's like, the police come into the apartment building, <clears throat> excuse me, the police come into the apartment building, and they and they're looking for him,
0: Corbin Dallas, and and they get up to because, of course, Cornelius ripped the name bit off the door to come in, yeah. Yeah, so they don't see they don't see the name tag on there, and he no. says, "Who are you? I'm oh, just a meat-favored
1: popsicle." But they gets the arms on the wall as well, yeah. don't they? Remember that they did that? They put your hands on the dots.
0: Yeah, hands on the dots, and then they turn to the guy oh. opposite, and you know that's you know we've got the, the tag of Corbin Dallas. Yeah, like, ah, we got the guy. Get The cops said they don't want to do real work like no. Find out his actual so this, address. This guy like swears at them as yeah, well. Yeah, he's, like, no. he's a punk, isn't he? He's just yeah. like he looks. He looks dodgy. He looks like a punk and he's like, go blow you or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. And then, yeah, so they says, arrest- bad move, fella. I love the way they just put him in a body bag and drag, <laughs> drag- It makes a lot of sense, <laughs> it doesn't it? It does. You can't whole, fight that. This whole, like, you know, having to get them down on the hands and knees and put handcuffs on and maybe tase them and just whack them in a yeah. Kevlar sack, yeah. zipped up, and then just drag them. Yeah.
1: It's like a snake, right? And like he's, a he's, snake yeah, a he's he's fighting and stuff, right. but
0: what what's he gonna do? It's like this, yeah, he can't rip his way out of that bag. No.
1: The only thing is you've got to lift you have to they lift had, like a full heavy man. They had them. handles though at each corner. Yeah, yeah I guess. They're that just dragging them way. by handles. It's
0: just like, okay, there you
1: go, done. It's a good idea. Put him Pass in the sack, on drag the police. Um So yeah, and then what's cool here is you're kind of having all these like escalating is then as the police leave our, uh police leave the building with who they think is corbin we have the aliens attack who we thought zorg had killed they actually attack and then take <laughs> that, poor <guy laughs> that poor guy as guy. a hostage thinking that he is corbin so yeah that that's kind of like a cool and then cool Lilu
0: word. comes out of the self washing shower and he says oh I've forgot the self wash sorry Puts a towel around her and yeah, dries her off. Dries her off and and pulls Cornelius out of the bed where he's been cling wrapped. Is <laughs> And then gets a, gets the people out of the fridge and is like, oh yes. No, well,
1: before he gets the people out of the fridge, because oh, she... he doesn't get because then then he turns and the priest um takes yeah and whacks him with that trophy. Yes. Yeah, and so then when he but it doesn't really knock him out, of course, you know, but he like stumbles and he gets himself up. And then that's when he opens the fridge and goes, "Well, I'll be taking the mission." And they're like frozen. Yes,
0: they've got <laughs> frost on them, just shivering.
1: Yes, I know. It's, it's
0: there's just sort of moments that are really very serious, and then moments that are almost slapstick comedy, yeah. which is and it's blended. I think because of all the scenery is so sort of over the top, it it does blend quite well.
1: So here we are at this airport scene, which, like you mentioned before, is <laughs> kind of cool. There's a wall of rubbish, which we have no. Understanding of no, and it's not explained to us. And uh, the um priest and his assistant, who I didn't get his name, but the assistant guy, the young guy, yeah, young guy. Uh, the priest says that Cornelius says, You know, you, you two will go and and do this mission. And uh, so they go up to check in, and so he goes up to the air stewardess, sort of puts the ID in, and you know, etc. I've got the ticket. and she's like, Congratulations, you know, you're. You're going on the trip to Foster's Paradise or that. And with <laughs> Bruce Willis, kind of comes strutting in. Oh, no, this isn't the guy.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, mate, thanks fine, to, for thanks coming to, and helping me out.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming. He sort of plays it off. And he goes away, shit scared. Um, and he puts his ID in. The, and the air steward is like, you're the real one? Yes. You know, like, because she's already like a bit doubtful. It, but that's okay. Check him in. And she also, um, uh, Leeloo is also like, my smart rider, my multi-bus. smart rider, <laughs> my metapass, my meta- yes, we know it's your multi pass, multi pass, multi pass. Yes, uh, that's a good moment in time, isn't it? And then anyway, so they've checked in and they they go off like they've checked in and that bag. Uh, we then get the young punk couple, the real punk. Couple. I know, there's so just... 90s punk couple, aren't they? Yeah, and transparent
0: they dress. Like, why are you wearing a skirt if it's just transparent? Okay.
1: Yeah, it's what you did in the 90s. Yeah, okay? um, yeah. Whiting.
0: Yeah, sometimes you know, but with you out. and your nerdy. When I went out trying to impress in people. Canberra, in like, Canberra, geez, what
1: well, you guys get up into Canberra? No, you didn't have fireworks in Canberra. We
0: wore Hessian sacks down to Fishwick to buy porn and <laughs> fireworks. <laughs>
1: I, like, I, I like the sound of that, but I'm sure it probably doesn't look that much fun when you're there.
0: No, guys in Hessian sacks buying porn and fireworks. It's it's a bad combination,
1: <laughs> and that's the problem. It's always just lots of guys. Yeah, There's no many girls doing that. Well, you know, that's the problem. They left Canberra. <laughs> They're not dumb. <laughs> they leave as quickly as possible. That's why all the men are in politics of men. Um, So in this situation, they, they would walk up to the uh, pawn table and check in. Yes. But they've already... Corbin, their Dallas. Already
0: we've already checked you in. And then We're she already... does a little scan and it comes up. She reveals that it's actually one of these Mangalors and It's yeah. dangerous. Just wait one more minute. Yeah. And the, the Mangalore dude's about to... Pop out. Yeah. And so they turn around and run for run. it. Police, you know, yell Just at them. End. They say plan B and shoot everyone.
1: Shoot everyone and jump into the rubbish. That's jump what they do. The and, then, and then finally up walks the um, the henchman. Zorgs yeah. Hi, I'm Corbin I'm Dallas. <laughs> You're Corbin Dallas as well. Yeah. You know, we've already checked you on. We've already checked you in and it's too late actually. Yeah, closing yeah. the doors. Closing now. the doors do
0: now. So he has has to report back to Zorg, who's not pleased. No, who blows blows him apart. (laughs) Is that when he talks to Mr. Shadow? It is. He says, yes. Yes, and a little black black goo comes out of his head. I'm wondering, it was like oil, like black oil. I wonder if that was kind of, you know, hinting at the, uh, uh, you know, oil issues in the 90s, you know.
1: Maybe, maybe. It was, uh, 91 was Desert
0: Storm and uh, oil is sort of a, a symbol of conflict.
1: You're getting deep there. Yeah. Sorry, maybe uh, I think
0: maybe it was just black goo because
1: it's evil. But the, after this, there's this cool kind of. I mean, I'm going to call it a montage. You mentioned it before the, you know, the the plane taking off and it's the little creatures and stuff. But essentially, we have this kind of, um, uh, you know, like five minute montage, but it's a little bit bigger than what we normally get with a montage, you know, like quick succession of shots. Um, But we have this like the um, uh, plane taken off. So we get like them, the burning of the bugs, those weird little bugs. We get Ruby is then having sex with an air hostess. Oh, yes,
0: you have the landing gear going up and a, yeah toes go right. up in the air. Yeah, and and toes it's... go up
1: in the air. So we have that. We then have the priest is like trying to like get onto the plane somehow. We have the henchman being exploded and we have also then like, uh, you know, Major being put to sleep when he wants to like say stuff to, yeah. you know, Lelu. Like it's Like it's a weird little like quick succession and then like the pilot and everything getting ready to go. Yeah, and they were just all these little tidbits of information kind of being thrown in there. Um, this is then when Zorg receives his phone call from Mr. Shadow. Mr. Shadow. And uh, don't you like the oh, no, the, the assistant yeah, is doing yeah, the I was about to say, nails? The total recall. Total recall. Total recall. She's sitting there just playing with her nails. Constantly the... changing them. Yeah. That's a total homage to total recall. Yeah, absolutely. Uh anyway, Mr. Sh- don't you love the name Mr. Shadow? Mr. Shadow. The fact that he even
0: has a name, like, <laughs> why does he have a name? Don't interrupt me unless it's Mr. Shadow. It's Mr. Shadow. It's okay, okay, quick.
1: And he's really nervous about speaking to him, which I like. Uh, and as he the, he says to him, "Oh, the it's been a bit harder. Gonna have to uh, triple my costs." And he said, "And Mr. Shadow says, money is of no importance to me." Yeah, well, because he's gonna kill everyone. Yeah, he's gonna kill everything. <laughs> Dumb old Zorg. The plane goes into light speed. It I does. I thought you would have liked that. It, it, was, it was
0: it was a nice little thing and it had like lots of rockets on the back but then a special sort of vertical one lit up when it went to light speed.
1: Also, just on a little side note, don't you like how they did put them to sleep? It was very much like, it was like, oh, go to sleep. Like whereas you take Alien and you take yeah. these and Event Height where they're in these tubes and water and fluids. And, it's a whole process. It's so much more like modern day when we do fly, not that we've been flying because of COVID, but it's very much like an air steward, just sit down, put your belt on, you'll be right. <laughs> and it's the same here. It's like, sit, lie in your little chamber. We're going to put you to sleep. So it's all a bit more, a better experience. Like I have a feeling it's, like it's better a, a better
0: experience for the, 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 the host. Yeah. because yeah. yeah. like, they, they couldn't wait to knock them all out. No. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to hear what he had
1: to say. No, yeah, no, nah, 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 just off of you. I, um, so yeah, uh, and they arrive and it's kind of like an island paradise, right? I mean, I've never been to Hawaii, but it kind of a bit like that. They put the lays on, yeah, and it's a bit weird.
0: Like, it's like a foreign planet, planet, and they're doing this Hawaiian thing. Yeah, but okay. Yeah,
1: but Leilu's quite happy about it. You know, she's no, kind of into the. Really you know, um, and he checks in, and this sort of. I don't know, she's weird as well. The, this blonde that like checks Bruce Willis into the hotel room. Yeah, that,
0: that was all a bit strange, like just explaining it's, everything And it to seemed, him. seemed
1: like she knew maybe that he was on a mission or something. I don't know. It felt like she was a bit in. I don't know, it was a bit odd. A bit odd. I think, it, yeah, anyway. Um, but it's explained that he'll be going to the opera with Ruby later and the opera singer is the one that has the stone.
0: Yeah, and Lulu is sort of hangs out near the um, diva's place, and one of the diva's assistants comes up and says she'll she'll give you the stones after the show.
1: Yeah, uh, the opera singer... Oh, sorry, no, Rudy and Major. They enter the opera theatre, and it's a great performance there again by Ruby. You yes, know, like he walks around. He's like that's where he's the actor that can't hear anything. The the sports star. Sports star. I can't
0: remember the, the laser name. Laser tag? Laser ball or something. Like <laughs> laser that. ball? Yeah. It, was just, it was just massive, no neck, no hair, just... He it, it looked exactly... Politicians
1: like, that you don't want to be... Yeah, the, the ministers <laughs> you
0: don't want to mis- mister with or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something remember. like that, yeah.
1: Weird sort of thing. Um, and yeah, th- th- there's that great little moment. He... Rudy gets kind of annoyed with Majors not giving him much back in return and he turns to a waiter and kind of like, you know, rudely grabs the champagne glasses and up. And that waiter is the alien's disguise yes. that we saw earlier, which is cool. And that alien walks to the back room and opens the door and walks in. And it's all of those dudes with guns. And he's like.
0: <laughs> Showtime. And in walks Diva Plava Pavlova. Yeah. Lava Laguna. Yes. And this was Luke Besson's wife. Huh? For most of the filming. Oh, okay. And then it That's was um, Mila Jovovich with his wife. All <laughs> right. For the finishing of the filming. Right. So right. that would have been a bit of an awkward moment, I think. Well,
2: thanks for, to Luke. For, thanks to Luke. For no two
0: joke. years. For two years. And then Mila got her, her, her movie roles and moved on.
1: Moved on from Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, those blue lady... The, the um what's her name underneath it? I, I can't remember what her name is. She was a beautiful actress and model as well. But she's done oh. up looking like eight foot tall, blue, mm. like a Star she Wars is. alien yeah, with yeah the bits coming out of it. And apparently they hid her away while she was done up. So another cast saw her. So part of their yeah, response oh, was oh. actually kind of impressed. They, they yeah. weren't expecting it because she's not a hugely tall woman. You know, she's like rather moderate sized. So when she came out all blue and really tall, the, the, the reactions that people are having of kind of looking up and, and being impressed were reactions to the makeup and the, and the height she had. Yeah, right. She's only sort of stilts.
1: Yeah, cool. And she goes out to, to
0: sing the opera and we get this nice musical number, which is diegetic.
1: Yeah, I can use these words too. Dude. You can, you can, okay. and she, the and she is magical, right? She's oh, a magical she's singer,
0: a brilliant singer. And the there's a the woman who actually sung it was a
1: oh my god, she's awesome. Yeah. So then we, while she's performing, Zorg uh, arrives in his ship. Yeah. Uh, under the disguise of, like, a needs fixing or something. It's an emergency landing. Um, so he arrives. The aliens then invade the opera singer room. Um, and they kill the assistants. And Leilu sees them and she has a flashback to the crash. Mm. And the crash was caused by those aliens. Um, and so she remembers that and kind of, you know, gets it.
0: Yeah, and the aliens find a, a fancy-looking box in the uh, the diva's rooms, and they go, oh, we found it." Stones. And then Lelou comes and kicks all their asses. Yeah. Um, one after another.
1: And it's she using,
0: using somewhat comical moves at times. Yeah. Which is nice. And
1: it's a, it's a it's a good moment. It's a good again juxtaposition of she's kicking their butt while the opera singer is singing her and, a bit. And
0: and the second half of the song comes in. Which is all, you know, yeah, to sort of a bit of an electronic beat, yeah. and, um, yeah, it's faster, more exciting oh. sounding. It was, it was very, i remember being quite impressed by it when I was listening to it, uh, watching it the first time through.
1: You're going, "Oh, that's that's really cool." Definitely. So Leilu has the stones, or she thinks she has the stones in the box, and uh, Zorga arrives and says, thanks for killing them all. Great job. Give me the, and he puts a bomb on the wall, on the door. And, uh, you know, give me the stones and she throws them at him and just flips up into the air vent. He fires away with that gun and, you know, blasts the living daylight out of it and takes off with the stones. Um, the rest of the aliens that weren't, with, you know, that didn't get beaten up by lately take over the captain's deck, don't
0: they? Yeah, and the and the opera hall. Yes, yeah, and they, they, they go, yep. So they launch in there and start herding everyone
1: out. And Zorg flangs it out, if that's a word, flangs. He flangs. He flangs it out with his ship laughing to the bank. I've got the stone. It's such a good laugh, and then he like starts kind of comically crying. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the stones. Doesn't <laughs> have the stone? <laughs> so he's got to turn around and come back. Um,
0: and at the same point, Bruce... Willis character, old, old Major Corbin Dallas. I think we get another one of these cuts. It's like, well, where are the stones? The-? Yeah. And Diva says they're in me. Yeah. And he goes, what? And she's got like she got a big blasted hole where the aliens shot her. And he, yeah, sure enough, he pulls out the stones while the aliens are still hurting and rounding people up. He, yeah, Ruby's like there watching him, and the alien comes and points a gun, and Ruby's like, I'm not with him. And then when when he gets distracted by Ruby. Corbin smacks him out and tells him to hold the gun to his head, and then he's packing the stones into his jacket. Uh, and then there's uh, what what frightens him, and he shoots. I can't remember what, what frightens him. Something frightens Ruby. He yeah. shoots <laughs> the alien. Goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir. You're right. You're know, like no, and yeah. So they go out, and and, and we get the Die Hard moment. He comes out, and shoots a yeah, whole the bunch of them, and yeah. He jumps off the balcony into the. Bar area and they shoot rockets and, and he's just basically
1: and outnumbered and outgunned, but he manages to kind of you know
0: and he pull asked, some
1: Johnny. What
0: is is it Johnny? The name of the, the, yeah, actor? the actor, dude. And and he's definitely he can't hear. like the gun? The gun. He's oh, and he goes this point and rolls a couple of billiard balls over him. He's like, oh god, <laughs> you idiot.
1: That Bruce Wills, being Bruce Wills, uses what he's got and sort of still manages to overcome the powers that are there and. Shoots the roof and Ruby falls down safely, whereas the aliens then blow up. and: Yeah, and they haul
0: yeah. they, they out and they get to the captain's room, the, the room where Cornelius is being held, and there's all oh, aliens, man. there's five aliens on the left and seven on the right.
1: and one of them's like, "You know we're ready to negotiate. We have hostages." hostages. Yeah. And Bruce says, "Well, if you take out the main guy, none of them will follow." They don't know how to follow, mm. you know. And he's like, well, we're ready to negotiate. And he asked another guy, the captain guy, do, I, do you want me to take this? I've, yeah. I've
0: never learned how to negotiate. Yeah, like... uh,
1: and so he turns around and just shoots him dead. Yes, yes, I'm he's here, I'm here to
0: negotiate. Boom. Okay, who else <laughs> wants to negotiate? And they all go, Wait, no. They all drop
1: so. guns, basically, yeah. And so they've, he's taken back the ship. Uh, but, of course, he has to go and try to say, lay
0: yeah, they like he he sees on the, the cameras, he sees the arm dangling yeah. down, they they rush on up to the diva's rooms and whilst he's pulling Lelo down, the uh Ruby like looks at the, the bomb on the wall, the numbers counting down yeah. and says, Oh what what's that? And he says No, it can't be a bomb It was a bomb, they've got bomb detectors and all this and then it says, You've got four minutes to evacuate and yeah, so then there's a big evacuation. And during this evacuation Zorg, has, uh, come Zorg back. has got back and he's marching decidedly and just misses the Corbin and, yeah. and crew get into an elevator just as he comes out. And in fact, that had to be choreographed because the two of them, Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman, were not on set at the same time. Yeah, Bruce Willis finished at like week 21 and that's when Gary Oldman turned up. So they were never even... The same they didn't the even same see each other for the yeah, whole right. film. So that's the, they never meet. Yep. And he marches on up to the thing and there's like five seconds left on the counter and he, he carefully drops like a little weird credit card computer chip thing in and it stops. Mm. Stops the bomb. And then That's, a suitcase opens that the alien's left behind and and this big, ornate-looking, almost ritual, religious-looking thing, yeah, comes, thing comes up with five seconds left and it counts down. He goes, oh... That, that was very good.
1: It was cool, cool kind of little twist, wasn't it? And that blows up, so Zorg and the ship are totally destroyed. Just as Major has gotten them all onto Zorg's ship and just flying out of the explosion, you know, just in time, just getting them out into space. They notify Earth that the president and that that they have all the five elements, and so back on Earth they start partying. They start opening the champagne bottle. They're popping it out. They're getting into their, they're twerking. They're doing stuff, aren't they, sir? Twerking, they're into a good old time. The president, good old time. The, I like, I like this idea that the president's got the champagne bottle and pouring it like. It's so not true as it's like it to be a waiter, you know what I mean? But let's it's like, make it it's like, rain, boys. Yeah, let's go for it. You know, so they're all getting it into it and uh you could just imagine, you know, Hillary Clinton getting her top off and like shaking it with champagne and you know, having a good old time. And um but then they get there's a there's a there's a surrey in the corner, right? Yeah, he's, just,
0: he's more interested in the computers. He's
1: still watching the computer, he's not watching Hillary and the champagne, and he's <laughs> sort of gulping. <laughs> He's gulping away at looking at the freaking, get, sorry, get off the computer and uh, come back to the humans yeah. and have a good old time.
0: Bad news. Yeah. He
1: doesn't want to tell the president, but he tells the president that there's bad news. And we just kind of cut to, so early in the film we had that one ship that got annihilated, and we kind of cut to the big ball of evil, evil, sorry, evil, evil, uh, Mr. Shadow, and there's three warships sitting there watching it, and it just kind of like boom takes off. Off it goes. Off it goes through space, and they start chasing it. And uh, this is what Surrey lets the president know that, well, it's heading towards Earth, and at a really fast pace. In fact, the ships can't keep up with it.
0: Yeah, the celebration stops. So the celebration. It turns out really. it wasn't Hillary Clinton after all. No, they
1: all put their tops back on. It was Madeleine Albright. <laughs> <laughs> the champagne gets thrown away, uh, and they're a bit shocked by it all. So then they relay that information to um, uh, Major, etc. That well, this thing is coming, it's going to be here. Well, I can't remember the time I th- frame, I, th- I think they
0: said like 45 minutes. 45 minutes, minutes or yeah. something,
1: right? Like um, and so, um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know what Bruce says, but he says something pretty funny. Is I'll see you in two hours
0: Yeah, you are one hour 57. That's right. How long? One hour, 57. He says, okay, I'll call you back in two hours. Two
1: hours, yeah. I'll call you back in two hours. That's yeah. what he says. Call me back to it. Anyway, so they fang it to back to where we started the film in terms of this thing in Egypt, this temple. Um, and on that journey, Leilu gets really stuck into war. Oh, Learning yeah. about war and it, she she it, it scars her. She cries, she's upset. Oh. We have all these shots of good old Hitler and the nuclear bomb and some pretty good awesome old stuff. Hitler. Yeah, I some... remember
0: him. It's just you know, it's like these
1: happy memories I have of no, never going to be a good time. And the evil ball then like gets to Earth and um, you know, so it's really closing in, and um, they. They get out and they get these elements out, but they don't. They actually, the priest kind of reveals here that he doesn't really know what he's doing. Theoretically, yeah.
0: You got to put you put the elements out, and then the weapon is revealed.
1: Theoretically, in theory, yeah, like, you've never <laughs> you've done better. this
0: before. He's like, "Well, how how would he? Is Every five thousand years, yeah.
1: he's like, no." It's just yeah. that happens it's my turn, you know, when I'm on.
0: Yeah, okay, but they, and, they go they go put the stones in in each of the slots, and then they're like, "Okay, how do we?" Start and ask Lelu, what's going on. You got to do your thing, and she says, "You know the little cryptic. You know, wind blows, water is wet, fire burns. Yes, That's... yes, we know that.
1: Yeah. So they're all going to turn them on. Get well, them what on. was it in
0: Goro? He kept trying to do wood yeah. <laughs> and wood. <laughs> it's like wood's not one of the elements. <laughs> and right. wood. No. Okay. <laughs>
1: um and. Anyway, so the the young priest guy is like doing, "Come on, turn on, blah blah blah."
0: <sighs> A big sigh.
1: A big sigh, big breath, and the little little kind of thing He's like, "Ah, everyone, come out! It's on. Somehow, something's done. It. What'd you do?" Repeats what he did, but it's not enough. And then like they, he they sighs again, sighs again, and then it opens <sighs> another. Ah, oh. and so Bruce Willis like goes, "Oh, I think I understand what we need to yep. do." And blows on it properly, and it lights up. So like, okay, we need to make the element happen. So they. Go around and Cornelius wipes his brow and gets a couple of drips of water, so that one ke- connects on. Um, the
0: young guy chucks some dirt on top of the other the one, yeah. and then poor old Ruby is like, going,
1: "Well, I don't have fire! I got <laughs> fire! Why'd you give me fire?" And good old Bruce digs for that cigarette and brings out the matches where he's got one,
0: one yeah. match, and he's previously took two matches to light the one cigarette. Yeah, so exactly. we I always love here that the matches were reversed. It had a black head yeah. instead of the red one, which was, I, I don't know, it's just like that weird, like you're in the future now. Yeah, The cigarettes are mostly filter and a little bit of tobacco and the cigarette uh, and the matches are black, black heads, yeah. not red heads.
1: <laughs> so he does that and um, you know, lights Ten, it up. A bit of
0: tension, but they, they light it, don't they? I mean, it'd be a short movie. It'd be a long disappointing movie if it went out and they just got crushed.
1: Um, so he goes back, um, to her then because he needs her to come back to it and, and getting into it. Um, but she's now like, oh, You know, you guys aren't worth saving, you're yeah. not, you're not really what, worth it. Like, is what's it worth, worth it? Fighting?
0: Why are humans worth saving if yeah. all they do is fight, break stuff,
1: yeah. Destruction. Again, that theme, right? Yeah. Destruction. So it comes back around. Um, and he tells her about love. And she's like, yeah, but is love really worth it? And so he just really pashes her. So like I,
0: I need you. Why do you need me? Yeah. Because I love I you. I love you. <gasps> and You'd then well, well, she kisses him. Because so, it's yeah. never without her permission. Yeah. So that's, yeah, like- that's right. So she she can
1: She kisses him. She can kiss he, rape him but he's he's not allowed to do that. No he wanted it. He wanted Yeah, it I, I, he wanted it, it was on. established early on that he, he, had he wanted Yeah, he had that short plastic skirt. He had a, a, a <laughs> lip, He had a lip hard on. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um. Anyway, and so they all come suddenly. All the elements come alive from the kiss, and light comes up through them and goes into and space. Just as the dead planet vomits out.
0: light out of her mouth, and it all the- comes out of every
1: orifice I think, and uh, zaps this planet and turns it into a moon.
0: So that yeah, people could say yeah. You think a lot of this uh, Lilu woman is like, you think the sun shines out of her ass? Just- no, no, mostly out of her out- eyes and mouth. Yeah. We we couldn't tell like there was this weird rubber orange thing, but mouth and eyes mostly.
1: I I had the thought here, sorry, that you would you would really like to investigate the idea of what the hell impact would now a dead moon have on Earth. Much the
0: same as the moon had,
1: It would melt yeah. the crust. It would it would freaking change. You'd kiss the whole life thing, goodbye. goodbye. That's yeah. what you can do. Anyway, and then we cut to the president is super happy. He's arriving back at that reincarnation 3D printer that we have earlier in the story. He wants to meet Lelu and this Major. Was,
0: this was surely a James Bond, you know, tribute yeah. because it, was it Spy Who Loved Me? Yep. I've, I think there's been a couple where James Bond and, you know, one of the, the women... Yeah. ...had been in some sort of a tank or a hospital room or a, you know, something.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're having a good old time, so... They're back to that science is, you know, the president's like, well, I'll give you 20 seconds to get them out of there. And, you know, <laughs> I love I'm his sure hand that. actions. He's like to...
0: there and he, and he does his hand actions yeah. where they're kind of gyrating, bumping together. And he's they Not ready yet. Not <laughs> ready yet. Though. Five They'll minutes. They'll
1: be ready soon. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So that is the, and we get a little glimpse inside and they're, they're making out. They're having sex. Um, so, that, and that's it. The end. Roll credits. Roll credits and some groovy music. There is awesome music in this film. It's,
0: there was like some some good music in the '90s movies. Some bad, yeah. terrible, terrible music as well. But There's this, a real this movie had of
1: techno, hardcore rock.
0: Well, it's funny. Opera, this,
1: like it's a real mix in the. This 90s. movie here,
0: that, where they did the the second half, of the opera that that electronic sort of, it was almost that, that was very '90s. You know, DJ sort of like mixing. Ripping of of Whipping music and stuff is it was, it was a bit weird, but yeah, the, the soundtrack in this is apparently about ninety percent of the movie was music playing, and I was listening with my my can headphones on, and so yeah. I, was, I was listening to it I was going I never noticed all this music when I was watching the first the first no. three times I've seen this movie, yeah, but I was watching it like like this chase scene through New York. And it was this weird sort of that Algerian was really music. Odd music. And that then out. there was like this other one where there's like this sort of reggae music and yeah. um all of the music on it I thought was an odd choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh and yeah, so and then but then the, the closing credits you yeah, sort of had that sort of um rock electronic sort of
1: stuff going on. That's pretty cool. It is. So what about the classic ladder? Classic oh, ladder. For me, it's coming in uh, number four uh, oh, on my ooh. classic ladder in terms of I think people sat down and watched these science fictions in this order that would d- just teach you everything you needed to know. Really. Mm. To be honest. <laughs> so I've got 2001, Back to the Future, Alien, Fifth Element, Event Horizon, Total Recall, Demolition Man, Predator, and then.
0: Yeah, yeah, Fifth Fifth Element, hori- Event Horizon. Yeah, I, I still swear like we're probably looking at, at a special episode somewhere where we
1: redefined. We so. go into
0: some of these things because it's, it's a really interesting idea of of uh, maybe just we'll go over the the, um, the classics. We'll only have a few of them. But yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm I'm just kind of... I'm still not... I'm not uh, doing anything other than alphabetic order for classics at the moment still. That's going to change when I've got my vision of how they should be enjoyed. That's fair enough. Because uh, there's, there's such a diversity there. I'm, I'm still... I'm conflicted about where I'd put 2001. Yeah, because it gave me a real nerd on, but at the same time, it's totally different to like Back to the Future. Yeah, like how could you have those two side by side? You can't compare them side to side. But yeah, so I'm I'm getting there.
1: I'm getting there. You'll get there eventually, probably at episode 500 of Space Brains. What about the science? (laughs) What are you going to focus on with the science? Science? Well, it's it's so many things that you could nerd out on this film on.
0: Okay, well, here's, a fun, here's an interesting thing. And when I was researching this about planets, at the moment this past year, th- things that have been left unnoted due to all of the other notable things this year is the rate <laughs> at which earthquakes are happening is increasing, the gap between them decreasing. Right. If you take this mathematical progression through, 23rd of November next year will be no gap between earthquakes. Ah. It also coincides with an astronomical alignment of planets. It, now, it's complete bullcrap, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, but it, this is something people have said over various, at various times. Hey. And the really odd thing is you say something like, you know, earthquakes are increasing and, you know, people go, oh, right, oh that sounds serious. It's like, well, you can actually look it up and find it's not true. true. But... It's the sort of thing that sounds like it could be true. Yeah,
1: totally. You had me. And it also sounds difficult. It
0: sounds difficult enough to look up. Like you go, how would I? How would I find that out? I can't be bothered. You know, you can't just Google the frequency. Sorry, people can't be
2: bothered.
0: No, but so interestingly enough, leading up to in particular 2012 was like a lot of hype about end
1: of world stuff. Yeah, 2012. Yep. The mind, but
0: we've also got some various people who put forward ideas, and you may have heard of uh, what's his name, Eric Van Denigen. Um, is uh, back in 1968, he wrote a book, very best selling book, it was a great book, a fabulous book, one of the best books. It's, best called, book's ever. it's called Chariot of the Gods. Oh, this where, one, this, yeah, this old chestnut, he puts forward this idea that. Ancient peoples were visited by aliens, yeah. which were then Ooh, yeah, kicking, like kicking off religions and so forth. And mm. I can see Luke Besson here, whether he's he hasn't admitted to it or not. It's a clear um, inspiration here. This yeah. idea that these Mundashiwans were gods or messengers of God. That they had a yeah. religion, they had yeah. priests for crying out loud.
1: Well, the idea there isn't, it? it's like the Egyptians and the Mayans are good, uh, people have hypothesized that idea that where do they, because they have technology that was not around before and they they built things that were like seemed science, amazing. Seems, yeah. seems to be a bit alien, you know, for us in our course, human history.
0: Of course, people have demonstrated numerous ways that they've done all these things, which yeah. are totally normal. Yeah. yeah, you, know, you get... I've watched the the little doco on Charity of the Gods. It's a pretty cool I mean it's quite entertaining. It's a cool idea. It's quite nonsensical but it uses these same sort of statements like I started this bit with which is, you know, they'll say something like uh, for example the Acropolis at, you know, Athens is made up with these foundation stones that weigh over 2,000 tons. You know engineers today don't know how that we could even do that with today's technology. And you go, well that's clearly false. We've got We've got, uh, you know, crane. cranes that lift <laughs> rated for 5,000 and 10,000 tons. Yeah. Like, how do you think they shift those big ships and yeah. oil platforms and when we yeah. do the mining of, but, okay, yeah. we just, but it sounds like, it sounds it true. sounds trueish. And you've got to go, well, hang on, how do I, you can look it up. What's the biggest lift crane? You go, oh, it's 5,000 tons. Okay, so we could. In fact, the thing is that we've never really had to because yeah. we've got concrete. So why would we shift 2,000 tons stone block how yeah. many miles they yeah. didn 't have that choice they yeah. and the, the, the answer is they did it just with a lot of people and time, yeah. you know they didn 't build the acropolis you know in in a couple of months like we would today uh it's It took years, yeah. and those pyramids were not a quick thing either. There were literally years of hundreds or thousands of people at any given time, yeah. laboring on them, yeah, it's just you know a thousand people, but these ideas though that ancient asteroids it 's quite attractive because it's it's one of these easy answers yeah rather than actually having to learn anything you just see some (laughs) cave paintings or some pictures which sort of show weird looking people and they talk about their gods flying through the sky on chariots like and they go oh well that's clearly aliens yeah and then yeah how could the Mayans or the Incans or whoever I can't remember which one it was you know make these stone walls with no mortar that fit together so well you can't fit a blade between and you know stonemasons today would just go well, you just get like another rock and you grind them together, and that smooths them, and then you like position them, and then you keep doing that until they fit, like we do.
2: <laughs> what do you
0: mean? How did they do it? They didn't use lasers. Yeah. Like that's really difficult. Yeah. Just grind it, Jesus. Yeah. But anyway, it's so it's it's kind of it's been criticised this this whole ancient alien thing as being a, a touch racist in that <laughs> it's like oh how could the Incans have done that? They were so primitive. You know, only us. But no one's ever gone. Well, how did, how did Big Ben get made? Yeah. You know, well, how did, how did the Romans make the
1: maybe they will make the documentary you know, like, in five thousand years. They
0: they never sort of say, you know, the Romans built Rome with the help of alien technology. No, there's was no. just lots of them. They're working hard and they're smart white people, you know. So anyway, it's, it's that side. But let's move on to this planet coming to crush us. And 2012, so 2012, that date was just picked out of the Mayan calendar, which has a, you know, a repeating structure, like we have, yeah we have a, a base 10 system for counting, and they had a, a, a strange base 8 and base 12 system with repeating, uh, and so, you know, every X, I can't remember what it is, every 8 of one unit would add to one of another unit, and 12 of that unit would add to one unit of the next higher-up yeah. order. And they only had that... They didn't have any numbers bigger than that order. Mm. And so the Mayan calendar, if you add through the days, it would clock up and would reset. It would end. And so there was rather ender. than thinking, well, that was just their Y2K bug where they thought, by the time we get to there, yeah, we'll either just start back at 1, which would be, you know, easy... Or we'll just add another column onto the end and just like add a tick on that and that'll last us another few thousand years. Yeah. Whatever. No. It was decided they only did that because they knew that was the end of <laughs> days. They wouldn't need a calendar after that, Yeah, which is much like the programmers who who only use two digits to represent the years. because They yeah. thought, by the time we to 2000, like in 40 years' time, we'll just come up with something. We won't need... This program won't be running anymore. We yeah. we won't need to come up with any other way of doing this. Yeah. Uh, and of course, when we got there, we went. Oh, actually, we kind of do need another way, and we came up with a way. So it's okay. Yeah. they they so it's, so that's where the 2012 came up. Yeah. Is ended days because of the Maya calendar, and that's kind of nonsense. As you can still see, that's just someone making up something. Yeah. And it'd be like, you know, picking up a 2020 calendar and seeing it ends the 31st of December going... <gasps> oh, <it's the> end. <gasps> That's end. Yeah. That's the end. No, you get the next calendar. Dude, yeah, what are you about? another calendar. But to add on to that then, of course, there's been these ancient aliens theories and this idea that there's been visitors and in particular, a visiting planet, Planet X, Nibiru. And some guy, and he just invented this out of nowhere. Mm. He said there's a like this planet which orbits every... You know, um, how many thousand years? He might just make a pick a number, and that's what it is. <laughs> and, it, and it it swings past, and you can't prove me wrong. Does mass extinctions, you know? And there's there's been a few people who've put this forward. Uh, so, let me see. There's this woman here, Nancy Leader. She picked several dates for when the world would end because mm-hmm. of this. Uh, she started it, May twenty seven two thousand three was the first one. So that would be our Planet X, which is roughly four times the size of Earth, will come mm. close enough that it will tilt us off axis, stop us from rotating, yep. and like kill everyone. Yep. Um, well, that didn't
1: happen Nancy. Uh, for
0: exactly five point nine days for some. I don't know. It should be because we wouldn't have any days if we're not rotating. So maybe no no days. Um, yeah, and so that would just be terrible. Look, after tw- 20, yeah, 2003 passed yeah. without incident. Yeah, she said that it was merely a white lie to fool the establishment Um, then she refused to disclose the true date because that would give enough time for those in power to to declare martial law so you've got to have the conspiracy thrown in there right why Why don't you tell us it because because if I did then the people who are in power will mess you up and like but we're all going to die from this anyway so huh yeah Okay, well, anyway. So, anyway, Planet X was not the only planet. There's also Nibiru, which was... Um, that was by Zechariah Sitchin. He wrote a book called The Twelfth Planet, which I don't know where he got the Twelfth Planet from. We've got eight full-on planets and one, one thing called Pluto that we still refer to as a planet, but, yeah, you know, people argue about that. <laughs> so, he... He said that um, looking at Mesopotamian religious texts, uh, he could see that Nibiru uh, was this planet which would come past and, uh, every 3,600 years. And the inhabitants of that were the Anunnaki of Sumer- uh, Sumerian mythology. Uh, and they were our first gods, evidently. And so Nibiru, of course, would swing by and kill us all. When, when was that going to be? Uh, 1996. But look, anyways, poor Sitchin—he died, never seeing Nibiru come to destroy everyone. Yeah, but that's not a problem. In 2007, partly in response to leaders' proclamation, Sitchin did publish a book, *The End of Days*, which set the time for the last passing of Nibiru by Earth at 556 BC, which would mean, given the object's supposed 3,600-year orbit, that it would return sometime in 2900 AD. He did say that he believed the Anunnaki might return earlier by spaceship and that the timing of their return would coincide with the shift from the astrological age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, somewhere between 2090 and 2370. Mm. Now, if I remember the timeline of the fifth element, there's yeah. 2263 that it was set in. So that's in that range there, isn't it? Yeah uh, and we can, we can go on. Uh, basically there have been numerous dates leading up to 2017 and on regarding this planet just coming out of nowhere. The true science behind this of course is that a planet of any significant size capable of interacting with earth would have been noticed. Yes. Uh, And in fact, for a while, there was interest thinking that there was another planet that we didn't know about with a large elliptical orbit that would pass through, similar to these claims, uh, because of an observed discrepancy in the orbits of Neptune, thinking, okay, well, this shift in Neptune's orbit could be explained by a large mass passing through. Turns out they just... Didn't measure Neptune properly. So, better yeah. measurement, but this was only recently, like the 1990s, where they did better measurements of Neptune and went, oh, okay, we had misjudged the mass of Neptune. And when they put the new, uh, more accurate mass in there, yeah. turns out there was no discrepancy. That's actually the way Neptune would orbit based on its given mass. So, again, nothing really there. Hmm. But there is another theory which is not so far fetched called Nemesis. Oh. So if you can imagine a big, massive planet sailing around a long way out further than Pluto. Yeah. So it's not interacting with our solar system's gravitational field. So we're not observing that. But it's passes through the Oort cloud, which is a big bunch of space debris, which is where all our comets come from. Yeah. Every how long does he say like oh uh Nemesis Oh, every sort of 26 million years. Right. So coinciding with the major extinctions here on Earth. So that's that's kind of nice. And so it would pass through, every 26 million years, pass through the Oort cloud, dislodging comets and chunks of rock, thus increasing the likelihood that Earth will be showered by comets and blow up. Yep. Uh, which, which is kind of cool, but um, not terribly dangerous to us because is a 26 million year sort of orbit. Only problem is, of course, that there's not really any evidence that that's the case and no reason to think it will happen. But, you know, it's... You never know. At least it's not something so easily dis- dismissed as, you know, a giant planet coming to smash into the Earth. No. Which, you know, until we do get uh, Corbin Dallas, then we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Oh, and there's there's even more. There's, there's more and more sort of ideas of various comets. This Planet Nine, which is um, a great big planet. The biggest problem with all of these sort of things is for the planet to be dangerous to us, we would have seen it yes. a long time ago. Uh, but it's kind of, kind of fun to think of. Uh, there were some extra bits, um, planetoids found, Eris and... Um, Oh, what's the other one called? Right. I can't remember what it's called now. I'm, tr- I'm trying to quickly scroll through my, my notes to see these things. Oh, Sedna. Eris and Sedna out, out beyond Pluto. But they're yeah. only like small chunks of rock. Like yeah, right. Pl- Pluto sort of sized ish things, yep. which are flipping about the place. So, they're, again, they're nowhere near the Oort cloud. They're not dangerous. Um, but there you go. Yeah. So that that's it. So this idea that we have in fifth element of aliens coming down and being having a religion and there being some sort of a big black planet coming to smash us. Yeah. Uh they're from real real theories put theories I use the term theory in, in a loose sense here. Uh, real bedtime spooky stories that people have put forward of end of time. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah again, it's based on this idea of ancient astronauts, but I do like the idea of ancient astronauts and it it does hold water insofar as you sort of you could well imagine if aliens were able to travel through the planets, yeah it wouldn't be hard to imagine that they could have passed by Earth at some time during our early formative years, yeah, even if just to go, oh, they're, yeah, they're nice, cataloged, move on. And again, yeah, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I mean, yeah. some, you know, airplane flying through the sky seen by you know, some primitive Sumerian person is like tending his Sumerian goats, I assume. They've got goats in <laughs> that they've got, yeah, That's probably more popular than that. Yeah, yeah would, would would be, would be going, going. Like, that's something... It's that's god. magical that's yeah. a god or a monster or something yeah so so you can kind of imagine it but there's there's no need to evoke these things to have data. I mean, people form religions now without any particular reason except they had a feeling yeah <laughs> well they decided they, they couldn't write good science fiction so they went i know it's real yes. pay me money <laughs> Well,
1: that's an interesting science point that you Yeah, and I agree. It's funny to think of aliens being the reason for those things, but also I could understand aliens passing by and leaving some sort of legacy as well. Well, it wouldn't—it wouldn't wouldn't be hard for them to uh, any sort of invasion.
0: You could imagine a bit of their trash. Uh, uh, The gods must be crazy. That movie (laughs) perfectly exemplifies it. Like this guy chucks a coke bottle out. Yeah, worthless trash to any of us. We go, oh, it's a coke bottle. Yeah. But to this Kalahari Bushman, it's like the hardest, smoothest, strongest. It's transparent. It's like yeah. this is just uh, an unknowable yeah. thing. Yep. And to us, as you can imagine, an alien comes down from you know thirty thousand light years across the galaxy, rocks up, and they, they have a bit of a look around. They, they don't harm anyone or anything. They, yeah. they sort of, but they leave a bit of trash behind. There's some innocent to them? It's just uh, the it's, wheel. It's just something there that's just, it'll get buried it's polite, over. You know. it's, it's not toxic. It's, yeah, it's not a problem. Um, but it turns out that it's yeah, some amazing piece of equipment that we find useful Yeah, amazing.
1: Um, yeah, the only thing I really want to talk about are the technicalities. You mentioned it before with the filmmaking technicalities. There's some great cinematography moments in this, especially of uh, Miller. Um, she's shot really close up you know, to really give that vulnerability. Um, and we talked about the music already. There's also some pretty cool use of shadows to tell, sort of to illuminate the story rather than showing the the, the actual scenes. I also think it's important to think of those costumes, you know, in the 90s here where, yeah, this film does have CGI going on, but it also has the costumes. Is that real nice oh, mix?
0: Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's 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 the mix in this isn't it? Like you, you it's a. quite often we talk about this um and I talk about it a lot with other filmmakers like sometimes too much CGIs it's like it's too much and whereas this is that probably that perfect mix the the sets have been built the costumes are still real um even those alien heads like they're real and then at times they're CGI. So it's kind of like a really nice mix I think. But what I wanted to pick on, and you you did say this before, is there's a lot in this film where we have that juxtaposition in editing. So we have, you know, the for example, early in the taxi chase scene, we have them cutting from the taxi chase scene to the cops ordering burgers and then back to the chase scene. Uh, And we've got that going on in that scene. When it's the um, major's apartment as well, like, we have things going on in his apartment, and then they're cutting. We're we're seeing things going on while the plot points are ever evolving. Um, the opera scene's a really good example that you know she's singing, and we have the aliens attacking her assistants and killing them. Lelou then fighting them. Zorg arriving all while we keep cutting back to the opera scene, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, even the ship climax scene as well, you've got those multiple things going on of, of uh, you know, the Major and Lilu you know, coming together and leaving, Zorg arriving, the aliens blowing up the ship. So it's like, like all this intercutting or juxtapositioning between one thing to another. And at first I thought, you know, it's great, like early in the film, like, great, it's great. But then by the end, I'm like, wow, he really uses this a lot, Luke. Mm. This is something that this is obviously his style is to use a lot of this intercutting. Um, And I feel that it kind of is used in this film. And it's probably the purpose of using this to is to really create things like that emotional reaction of tension or humor, because that's what you can do when you do that. Um, and it also, it does give a bit of an illusion of the story moving a bit faster because you're cutting from that to that to that to that, mm. to that to that to that, and just you're showing little bits rather than a whole scene sort of rolling out. So, that was the main technicality I just wanted to peel on is that style of editing, like it's a different style of editing. We haven't really seen. A lot of films, you know, that we've talked about in space frames, where they do that. You know, like there's no. I think there's not a I lot. I feel it's something will...
0: that Joss Whedon has done in his in yeah. Buffy, and, and that's kind of he, he uses like, that a bit in his style.
1: You'll find that a lot of action sequences do that, but this is used a lot throughout the film. Yeah, you know, it's where like constant,
0: an actor in one scene poses a question, and an actor in another scene that's kind of running parallel answers it. As if someone in that scene is asking, yeah, like yeah. when it says uh, the stones aren't here, mm. and then it cuts across. Where are the stones? Yeah. What do you mean you don't have? You know, like it's it sort of it's yeah, like, like one Zorg... conversation but in two places at the same time. Yeah, so it's
1: it's almost like they're showing us like there's a good that's a good example. Like she Lelou says the stones were stolen to the priest and to Major, and then we cut to Zorg who's looking for the stones. And realising that, because then he opens and there's no stones. Mm. So the one set of characters are learning, oh, no, the stones aren't there, don't worry. Then the bad guy's actually having the experience of, oh, the stones aren't here, where are the stones? Mm. Oh, I need to talk to that priest. And we're going back to the priest, he's going, oh, what do you mean, where are the stones? Oh, they're here, they're with the opera singer. Going back to Zorg going, find those stones, where are, find where they are, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, and then we, you know, cut into the president going, where are the stones? Oh, the stones are here and the henchmen learning that and Zorg saying, okay, you've now learned that, go get them, you know what I mean? So it's like, and then at the same time, Major, we've got to go get them. So it's kind of a lot of this intercutting going on, yeah, and it's, and it's throughout the whole story. I, I, it really stood out to me when I watched it this time and it's done well. I think it's done really well.
0: Yeah, it it was done as I said to, to tell that story, and move it along, but also it was a little bit humorous there where where yeah. they're all learning the same sort of thing, but it has different effect on them. It does. Zorg's yeah. disappointed, Lelu's kind of well, yeah, the stones aren't there. And the priest's going, What? Yeah, Surprise. Well, uh, so, yeah.
1: so yeah. So anyway, that's why I just wanted to quickly focus on, um, and then we'll move on. But let us know what you thought about the fifth element. What you also thought about what we thought about the fifth element. Uh, You can hit us up at uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter.
0: Twitter, yeah, at Gravity Undone. Yeah, Gravity Undone. Space Brains Podcast um, at gravityundone.net. Yeah, all of those places. Email.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Send a letter through tubes like in fifth fifth element. element. Yeah,
0: if you hang around (laughs) Mandra long enough, I'm sure you'll come across me somewhere. Somewhere you'll find me. You may not recognize me, but, you know.
1: Definitely. And the next film, we're moving on, episode forty six is Prospect. Prospect the twenty eighteen film. I've never seen it. I'm excited to look at it. Something to do with a father and a daughter going up in space. It's not as set in the future, but I've never seen it. So I'm excited about that. So you can tune in and listen to what we think about Prospect on our next episode. So that's probably enough. Yeah. See, you later. See ya. Bye.